In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Ryan Daly. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 352. Yes, our second crack at 352. Not Ryan and I, but just this <laughs> this, this is a this is a a uh, reimagining of the previous 352. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a good one, but I think this one I'm sure you you and I'll have a lot of fun um, on this. So yes, I am joined by the man, the myth the legend, Ryan Johnson's number one fan, Ryan Ooh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting early. Okay. <laughs> uh, how are you, Ryan? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Tired, but I'm good. So how are you? I'm pretty much in the same boat. So in yep. case you haven't figured it out, what we're going to be doing is the Halloween 2018 commentary track, which is kind of taking the place of the review that we almost did, we kind of wanted to do, but it just never fell into place, so... Well, I didn't see the movie in the theater. That's, right. just, like, I was... That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Things, fate, fate conspired against us. Ryan never got to see it in the theater when it first came out, so that's why I ended up doing the mini, like, 20-something minute solo review of it, but now we get to do the commentary track, and we can let all all these um, positive vibes come out of <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, you, you ready? I am ready. I am ready. Let me let me get this back to the to the right track. All right, that great Universal logo. We should point out about how bare bones the the this the DVD slash Blu-ray really is. <laughs> <laughs> the special features, like if you add them all together, they're probably like about what, like about eighteen minutes, maybe. Yeah, I haven't even. I, well, actually, no. I went back and I watched some of the deleted features after all. But no comment. No commentary track of its own. No. It's yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty disappointing. So before, yeah. go ahead. No, I was gonna like. It seems like I feel like with a lot of these movies now, like if if there is a sense that they might have like a, a later version of to do, they'll just like shove out whatever their first yes. passes with a bare bones. And like, you know, if they can do like, you know, a deluxe edition later on, like maybe this is a movie that warrants it. <laughs> we'll see as we're, as we're discussing it. Don't but. you believe it. <laughs> <sighs> so what, so what did you think from the beginning, the concept of, of what they were going to do with this? Once we found out they were going to basically forego and <laughs> wipe away every, Halloween sequel, including Halloween 2. Uh, I was intrigued um, a little bit, like, uh, for one, like, uh, no, I guess, I mean, we're, we're thinking about how much time we've spent with these movies, and obviously I love the first one, but I also, like, really like the second one, and thinking that the only reason to kind of ignore the second one is basically if they want to get rid of the establishing fact that Laurie and Michael Myers were related. Um, So I was like, okay, 
is that necessary? Uh, yeah, I guess. But um, so yeah, it was just kind of. I don't know. I've been burned by so many Halloween movies that you know when they're talking about doing okay, it's a it's like a reboot, but eh, you know it's not really the the reboot. It's more of kind of like a soft reboot. We're kind of going back, and it's like, all right, you, you've tried this with the Star Wars movies, you've tried this with the uh, the Rocky and the Creed franchise. Can you go back to that? Well, can you bring the original cast back and do a content a continuation like forty years later? Is this going to work with a serial killer movie? I I don't know. So. I was intrigued because I heard good things and I, I thought the direction looked strong and I'm a I'm a mark for these movies even though they're really bad. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> so am I. So this this part of the movie is interesting with the subtitles because you would never know any of the stuff Sartain was talking to about the patients. Not that it's overly relevant, <laughs> I, right. guess, I guess, but it is. But it is interesting how much stuff in some of these movies is just it's so inaudible, but yet it's, it's, it's it like cries out for the you know for the for the captioning. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. I think it's interesting from this perspective with Sart. I mean that with Sartain is the, just the fact that right from the get go. I mean, there really aren't a lot of hints, like in the initial conversation here. But just the just the idea that you know he he was a student of Loomis's, which of course is going to automatically give you the impression that oh, he's got to be a good guy. <laughs> right, he's but, going, he's filling the Loomis role yes, is what you that, assume he's going to be doing. Yes, as opposed to maybe being Anakin to student Loomis's Obi Wan, <laughs> that, that he's that he's you now oh. And, and the key part is that there's no, there's nothing in this conversation which indicates that Loomis ever wanted him to take over for him. <laughs> which, which is interesting later on when we find out when they have the really cool audio clip of whoever did, you know, whoever did the Loomis voice did a really great job. Yeah. The the idea that Loomis pretty much stopped being Michael's doctor almost immediately. It's not like he carried on, you know. It's not like at Halloween Four, like he remained technically at least. Unofficially, you know, that he was still Michael Myers' doctor. They made they made clear that it was his form. You know, he was his former patient. <laughs> I I think once you unload a revolver into one of your patients, I think the AMA is going to have that's something to say about true. your continued treatment. I don't think it would be ethical. It's like, yeah, that's the patient. I shot him six times out a window, but <laughs> and I, I would have shot him more as we as we find out in this movie. Uh, we think your bedside manner sucks. <laughs> I shot him six times! <laughs> Seven, according to the beginning of Halloween 2, as we know. <laughs> um, now, again, in in this part, this, this part of the movie is interesting just from the perspective that it really does play up a lot of the stereotypes of mental patients, which is kind of sad. <laughs> right. This is... Yeah, they're they're definitely they're definitely going for a more sort of atmospheric and and building a sense of dread, which this scene does yes, pretty it well. Does. It, it ab- but it's not. I mean, it's not realistic, and it's certainly not something that you know mental health organizations or advocates would ever like say. You know, the champion like, yeah, this is exactly how we treat. Although you know, it's better than the way Rob Zombie depicted what oh, goes yeah. on. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, this isn't like Geraldo Rivera and Willowbrook or whatever it was or anything right. like that. But it does seem like Smith's Grove certainly has taken it maybe – not that the patients are being mistreated necessarily, but they are not – it seems like some, that the treatment plan has changed, maybe because of Michael Myers. <laughs> right, right. But, but again, I mean like it's – it is a – 
I mean, there there is a stigma against the mentally ill, and certainly, I mean, like we're you know we're a culture we we know like you know Dr. Hannibal Lecter and Arkham Asylum, and this is just kind of playing into those like same fears of what this is. So, the scene when you have these two documentarians looking at Michael Myers, although we'd never like really see his face, and here's this guy basically trying to poke the lion or poke the bear, you know, holding up the mask and. You know, this, you know, nothing about the dialects, but like at this point, you know, this is the first tip of it. Okay, Sartain. Right, what absolutely. Are you doing here? This is, what yeah, are you doing here? Yeah. Like the fact that he's, he's allowing this type of behavior, like setting off, like this could have been like, you're expecting like a riot at this right. scene. And he's just letting it go because he wants to see Myers' reaction. This is our first tell that. Mm, this is not what Loomis would be doing. <laughs> Absolutely. But then again, Loomis shot the guy. So, but, but Loomis knew what he was doing. <laughs> he he understood Michael Myers a tad better. Uh, though, when we get later on into the movie about Sartain's his view on Michael Myers, there is a certain logic, maybe the wrong word, but you can understand in a, his warped you know way of looking at it why that might make sense based on some of the events. Especially during, I think, how Michael got captured, which is something we never got to see, which is something else we'll talk about. Right. right. But the, the interesting thing – got to stop using interesting. So what's, <laughs> what's curious about is that we – to us, the Michael Myers mask is significant. To Michael mm-hmm. Myers, how significant can he be? He wore it for one day 40 years ago. <laughs> well, that's – that. I mean I, I think I – that was like after I watched it for the first time, I think that was the first message that I sent you was this movie wants its cake but also like wants to eat it too. Like they're saying, OK, only the first movie happened. This is a continuation after the first movie. But the way they treat Michael Myers – is as if they have completely bought into the mythology of this invincible super killer that has had eight previous adventures or <laughs> yeah. whatever like that. Like, like the 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 sense of like anti like it's not hero worship, but like it's sort of the opposite of it. Like the sense that this is like the devil on earth or something, or like how evil he is, really only makes that kind of sense if you know. He's done this, you know, repeatedly throughout like this entire franchise. If you're just taking this as a sequel to the first one, then he's killed a total of what five, five. people, which, which obviously like they, they one, refer to in this movie about trying about trying to Dave, what trying to downplay, you know, how how scary or how big a deal it was, considering what goes on nowadays, right. Right, like he, once when he was a kid and he was arrested, he was put in, in, in you know, the psych ward for 15 years or however long yep. it was. He escaped for one night, killed a couple of teenagers, and then he's been in prison again for three decades? Like, why is this guy like the boogeyman that everybody fears? That only makes sense if you put it in the context of Halloween 2, 3, 4, 5, well, not 3, but, you know, yeah, 4, 5, know. 6, yeah. and... and H2O and like whatever the resurrection was. But so again, it's one of those things where they, it buys into the hype of Michael Myers, but based on the conceit of this movie and the premise, it's like, well, you shouldn't, that that hype shouldn't be there. So they do straddle the line quite a bit as far as, and we'll talk about that too, related to Michael himself, as in they kind of blur the line between what's Michael Myers and what's the shape of the credits. We didn't, as we were in the midst of a, Right. Dialogue. The credits were cool. They probably they were a little, a little fast. They might have wanted to slow that down. But the the deflated pumpkin coming back to life and the pumpkin looking 
very much like the original Pumpkin from 78. Yep. That was nicely done. The opening credits was nicely done. Uh, this And then music. I mean, um, yes. again, again, I'm a sucker for that that music. You know, I, I listen to it every Halloween, like throughout the month of October. I've just got that like song like running through my head and on on my music player. So yeah, I have a bunch of versions of it in the uh, one of my yeah. playlists on Amazon Music, uh, and I have the yeah. whole sound. I have the whole soundtrack for this movie as a as a playlist, uh, which is pretty. The soundtrack is it's it's unique, and so it is. It's I don't. I, it's kind of grown on me since that's the mm-hmm. one that's the one part of this movie that has grown on me since it came out in October, <laughs> and I appreciate the soundtrack a little in, in the unique uniqueness that Carpenter and and his son and his what it, was it got his godson whatever the three of them brought to, to this. So I think, mm. that, and now we're about to get our introduction to what 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 we're supposed to believe is Laurie Strode. <laughs> yeah. Who, really, who unfortunately doesn't really have come across to me anyway is very much like Laurie Strode, at least until the third act, and then you might get, and then you have a little bit more of Laurie because she, she's kind of in her element. Sadly, what her element has now become, but she, but there's a there's more of a, but mostly the, it's like verbal cues. Mm-hmm. And she says things which echo back to things that you know, like the 1978 and what she said to Tommy and Lindsay and things like that. So, uh, oh, Aaron and Dana, what a team! <laughs> it's like at, at, at times they both have. It's like they both no, seem to know exactly what to say, and other times they both know exactly what not to say. <laughs> <laughs> so they're a good team. They're a good team. Yeah, yeah. And Lori Stroh looking for her three thousand dollars. <laughs> Really. Which makes sense in context based on what she does with it when she, later on when she gets it. It's mm-hmm. you know when you when I first saw the movie I think it was easy to gloss over that you know that that's the money that she was offering up later on, as right. the, so she was willing to put up with. Uh, right, and I mean well for for the faults of this movie and it has some faults. Um, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is not one of them, and you can say that she's not really playing the same Laurie Strode she was, you know, you know, couple, you know, decades ago. But she owns this version of the character. She comes across as tough. This is the Sarah Connoring of the character. Yes. But again, that's one of those things where that's what they're trying to do. But does that make sense in the context? Like, because she says, like, you know, she. What we're seeing here is she's. You know, turned her her house in the middle of the woods into a fortress. We will see her training with every type of gun and every type of weapon. She's basically sort of made herself into a, like a militarized weapon, and it's all because she's waiting for the day when Michael comes back for her. But why would he do that if you're right. taking out if you're taking out the connection that they're related and that he's has this psychotic compulsion to murder his sister again and again, which is what he did when he was a child, and then he went back. If that's no longer a thing, then she was just a random target back in 1979. She walked up to the house that he was, you know, like, hiding in, and he saw her and and felt some, like, compulsion to go after her. But again, like, his targets have always been teenage girls. Why would he stalk her again? If she was just the one victim that happened to get away, like, this crazy... She's sort of like paralyzed by this one event, and I'm not saying that's not realistic. I can see that, but like the there seems to be a disassociation of why she's so certain he he'll he'll come back for her, and why he would end up doing it anyway. It just it doesn't work if they're trying to establish right. a new continuity. 
I, I agree with that, and I think, and also like we said, with them trying to have their cake and eat it too, between you know whether whether he's human, whether he's not human, whether he's walking the line in between, we because because they chose to not show us even in a flashback, which I think is a failing in this movie, to not show us how Michael was apprehended in 1978. We don't. It's really hard to. Because, we, because it would have been nice even to have a reference like how he survived being shot the six times. Sure, was, yeah, was, really. Was that horrible a shot? It didn't seem like he was. <laughs> mere, mere flesh wound. Uh, right. And, he, but, and not like, only that, like, he got like a clothes hanger stuck through his eye, too. They were, like, but they at were, least they referenced that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doubly because of his dead eye and because of, the hole, because of the hole in the mask, and I think he's got the scar in his neck, too. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we don't know how – because that – that definitely changes things because if it it changes the context of of who Michael Myers is and maybe why Laurie would or wouldn't think that he's this unstoppable monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's Ray, one of the most useless characters in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and the, I think they were trying to go for. I mean, he's got lines that could have been funny. I felt like the delivery landed either too hard on some of them. Um. But they were trying to go for like the the all funny dad and stuff, but yeah, mostly useless and a little bit clueless. Um, Danny McBride influence, obviously, in his dialogue. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can see. I almost wonder, like, why didn't Danny McBride just play this part? Um, I like Judy Greer and just about everything I see her in. Um, and who's the actress who plays the granddaughter? Oh, I just had her. Andy Mc, what is her name? I'll, I'll dig it up. But yeah, I like her. I think she, I think she does a good job in this movie. I do too. Matichak. Yeah, I think it's Andy Matichak. I think. Oops. That name reminds me of somebody, and I need to look that up. Is she related to? But she, yeah, she, I think yeah, I think obviously she, the daughter is cast. Allison is cast to kind of be more like Laurie. That she's mm-hmm. much more like Lori, a, a more modern version of Lori, and and I think for the for on that level, it succeeds. I think she's maybe maybe a tad more sophisticated than than, than Lori was, and also maybe a tad more, maybe it just a tad more a tad less in, innocent than Lori was, even though Lori wasn't one hundred percent innocent, but she was mostly innocent. Not that that not that Allison isn't. I mean, Allison isn't, but I think. She's just a more modern, quote unquote, realistic version of what of what Laurie's character would be, you know, in 2018. So, uh, I actually liked Vicky. I thought Vicky was. I liked. I liked Vicky as a character. Dave was a. Dave was another useless character. Uh, mm-hmm. As are most, to be fair, regardless of whether you look at it, if you're looking at the agenda aspect of this or not, moving beyond that, most of the male characters in this movie are, are pretty useless, even though I do like Hawkins. They just, I think, yeah, yeah. criminally underused, I think. He should have been the sheriff because the sheriff is another one who is completely useless. But Dave Dave has his few a few moments of being funny, but, but clearly that you – know, of the female characters, the new female characters, I think Al- I think Allison is good. I did like Vicky. Uh, Judy Greer's character is okay. It wasn't special. It wasn't special. She, I mean, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think part of it is the type of character. Like she has to be the skeptic and the naysayer 
and we want to believe yes. Lori. Yes, we true. want to believe Jamie Lee Curtis. We want to believe her daughter and everything like that. So she's cast not she's casting a sort of antagonistic role, which makes her hard to like because we she doesn't believe the people who we know are right and who we want to sympathize with. So it yeah, it's hard to like Judy Greer until the end, like the third act. Um, and I get like this is something like I'll pick up like the third act I think is when this movie kind of really becomes like kind of comes together and becomes really entertaining like there's a lot of this in the movie it's a, like interesting setup but there's also a lot of stuff that it just kind of feels like wrote and we're just rehashing tropes yes. and I think this movie revisits a lot of tropes but doesn't really build new ones or doesn't really. Not a, lot just well, Not a lot of payoff. Not a lot of payoff with that. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything really new that we haven't seen before, and the stuff that we may maybe new for this franchise, but not new for moviegoers. Um, certainly not for people who have been with the Halloween franchise since you know the beginning. But uh, that is true, and and it follows, and this movie follows a. During the course of the movie, a lot of times it follows one of the worst horror tropes, which is people doing really stupid things, as right. opposed to doing the logical thing. I think it was, I think it was Alan B. McElroy who wrote four, who wrote Halloween Four, who pointed out, you know, paraphrasing essentially that people doing, you know, people doing dumb things that doesn't really make it scary. Like if you hear something in the in the basement or the attic and it's in the and it's pitch black going down there, it's and you, something bad happens. That's not really scary. But when you do all the right things and you make all the right decisions and people still start dying, right. that kind of makes it scarier. Because not the Halloween four was flawless on the, on that front, but they but there but there were some things that were logical. Like when they like when they get to the schoolhouse when they find out that Michael Myers was in the schoolhouse when he attacked Loomis or whatever instead so of going in after him and they said oh let's just leave it to the state troopers and, they, and let's take basically take the kids and try to go to the you know, meet you know to, to the safe house or wherever they were going to that you know that was a smart that's what they should do as opposed to right. going into you know so and I think this 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 movie does have a does have a lot of that I mean, we'll be getting that shortly when we start doing the whole transfer the whole transfer mm-hmm. of Michael Myers and things like that uh, this is a nice scene between Laurie and Allison because it tries to it kind of establishes their, you know, which is int- it, it's, it. I, you wonder why that they're probably basically because maybe they have or kindred spirits deep down, but mm-hmm. why their relationship is as is relatively even keeled as it, or as good as it is, considering Judy Greer obviously would be be doing everything to try to steer Allison away, as we're finding out that she's not exactly being honest with Allison about make, trying to include Lori into all of these plans. Right, right. So. I love the setup for this one that we kind of we missed while we were oh, talking. Yes, but like when when Allison is in the classroom and glances out the window, and Lori's standing there. Call back to the first movie when Lori glances out there and Michael's standing there watching. So including the same general conversation about fate. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then they, and then having PJ Souls be the teacher, which I which I didn't even realize until until I, the credits rolled the first time I saw the movie. I didn't even realize it until you yep. just said it. Yep, PJ <laughs> Souls play is the teacher. Well, that's because in all honesty, PJ Souls' voice I think has changed a lot as she's gotten older. So it's not as yeah. you have to really listen listen for it. And yes, for the PJ Souls who played Linda in the original. And the original mm-hmm. Halloween, so that was that. That was a nice touch. I mean, there there obviously are a, a and I and I think you and I've talked about this off air. The idea that some people have some people have said when it comes to this movie 
that when you view this movie as more as a greatest hits package as opposed to just a direct sequel, it kind of works a little better because of all the beats that they hit yeah. from different movies. But this is this is really this is really cool. The the, the supposed Loomis you know, tape mm-hmm. about not just because again it's a dead ringer for Loomis, one of the much better you know impressions that you've seen, but just the way he's talking about there's nothing to be gained by keeping him alive and <laughs> and. To end to burn the body, you know, is a minute. Basically, all vitals are gone. Just immediately burn the body. It basically means don't take any chances. The vitals are going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is a, not only just a tie-in to Halloween too, but obviously to the end of this movie as well. Um, I did like that. That's a nice touch and using the uh, Dana and Aaron as the framing device to uh, it needs to die. I like that. Right. Right. You mentioned. Um Halloween 4. That was actually the first movie in the franchise that I saw. Was it? Yeah. And it was... Uh, gosh, when, it, when did that come out? That was 1988. Eight. Okay. Um, I, I saw it... A fr- like, my babysitter basically rented it, cool. and she was watching it. Um, and, like, when I should have been asleep or whatever, I kinda, like, <laughs> just came out and just, like, sat down and, like, watched it with her. And, yeah, that's... that's Scared me. Like I, I remember that that movie did. It was actually it was the scene when he was coming up the stairs. Um, oh uh, yes, killing her her boyfriend who yep. was um, pay, played by the kid from uh, Taste and Confusion. Yes. Um. So uh, yeah, but that was like the first one that I saw, and I remember I, I liked it, and I was scared by, it, and then um, eventually, yeah, eventually saw that. So like, I think that that is probably like. Gosh, I think that one actually is like the best sequel and kind of does what this movie did, like tried to do a little bit better. Like I think like in introducing um, the other girl and yes, yeah, and it had a great ending, even though they quickly erased it. It had a great ending, which was a surprise ending, though. If you now you shouldn't have been my well. If you had watched the series up to that point, because of the clown costume, it should have been a trigger of what right. happened. But it, but it was but you would never think they would do that, so that's why it worked. Right. Uh, let's go uh, talk quickly about the, the the transfer a little bit because uh, the whole transferring thing at night makes no sense. <laughs> why are you going to transfer everybody at night? Why are you going to transfer all these? As we find out from Hawkins, mostly these bunch of harmless mental patients along with Michael Myers why are you going to transfer Michael Myers on Halloween you understand why they did it in the original because it had to do with the date the crimes were committed they legally had no choice the Loomis had to go they had he had had to peer he had to go pick Michael Myers up to take him to that hearing you know on that date that makes sense they did not have to transfer Michael Myers on Halloween and and that was that and that's hard to really justify if you're going to do it during during the day not during at seven o'clock at night (laughs) That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it almost – you almost wonder if somehow, like, if they needed to, like, later on explain that that was Sartain's yeah, influence. Was, yeah, it If it was – like, if somehow he manipulated that and, and like, forced that. Because, I mean, he is – what what we will learn is he is the one who's sort of, like, setting up and and he manipulates the, the escape attempt. But, yeah. Yes, and that's another thing I think well, – when we, when we get to the bus scene in a few minutes with uh, the – We'll talk about the Sartain and, and everything about what we saw and what we didn't. Uh, I think I feel bad for Laurie in this in this scene because in a way this what's really what annoys me about this scene, even though it's done again, you can understand Judy Greer's character 
uh, Karen's point of view just because she she grew up like this, and and you mm-hmm. can understand that you know basically she's been traumatized and her life has been affected because of of Lori's PTSD and trying to prepare her doing this again the Sarah Connor the John right yeah you can understand it, but Lori is basically she just did what she, what everybody's been kind of telling her to do. Which is they're trying to put this behind her, you know. Allison in the in the in the previous scene when she was given when Lori was giving her the money said, you know, like uh, however she phrased it about, you know, uh, say goodbye to Michael. That's what she says. Say goodbye to Michael. So Lori was kind of actually trying to do this by going to witness, you know, the transfer, and that's what she's reacting to. So she was kind of trying to do that. To a certain mm. extent, or trying to maybe exercise some of her demons, and she and obviously she just she just couldn't do it. In the end, she still kind of gets not by Allison, but by her by her daughter, kind of gets ripped a new one. Like, uh, so I, it's 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 I I do kind of I do kind of feel bad for Lori in the, in this scene. Um, and of course, and, and Allison, of course, is the one who tries to comfort her first and foremost, which is again that's because the the closeness of their relationship regardless of how that developed if it, but it's it's nice that it did because <laughs> considering <clears throat> so if Lori had actually followed the bus and saw the crash and everything like that the escape do you think she would have been prepared for it I don't know she probably I think she probably would have froze she might have frozen it's hard to tell and I, and that's actually a good moment and that's probably a good thing a good moment to talk about that supposedly, in the original version of this movie, uh, or at least in the original script, there's lots of things that didn't make it in to the movie, uh, that Laurie was actually supposed to be the one responsible for the bus crash. Hmm. And that, and I think that was a – some people said, oh, they should have kept – no, they shouldn't have kept that in because that makes Laurie responsible for everybody who dies in this movie. Right, right. That's not good, no. That, uh, not – you know, inadvertently, yes, or maybe – uh, but deliberately trying to crash the bus to, to get Michael Myers to free him? No, no, that 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 wasn't going to work. Just like the just like the beginning, we we've heard, we heard all along that they were talking about you know reshooting the ending of the movie to begin this one. And of course, first you thought oh they were just going to add stuff to it, kind of like a, the Jeff John the Jeff Con thing. You're going to see stuff you didn't see before, but it doesn't erase the stuff you saw before. But Mm-hmm. At one point, clearly they were going to do a whole lot more because not only were they, they were going to have, I think, Loomis die, but they were going to have – I think Loomis was supposed to die before he actually shot Michael off the balcony and Laurie was supposed to be the one to finish. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty sad that it was John Carpenter who said to them, no, that's not a good idea because you're probably going to lose your audience immediately. Yes, yeah. you're going to. And the fact that John Carpenter had to tell them that they couldn't figure that out on their own. It'd be like yeah. doing a, It'd be like doing a new version of Jaws 2 except, you know – the, shark, the, t- the tank never blew up and Brody got eaten. <laughs> but it doesn't yeah. change the movie whatsoever. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. uh, yes, the bus crash. Now, I think I think this is another missed opportunity that to step... I think seeing Michael come back online would have been interesting to see. Mm. And I think that's a missed... Uh, that is a big missed opportunity Uh I, maybe they justified not doing it because they would have to come. They would have to somehow reveal a little bit of Sartain's role. Maybe, even though maybe I don't think you, you had to do that. But I, maybe that's the way they justified not doing it. But I think this would have been cooler if you saw if you saw, you know, Michael spring back to life. And, right. 
Besides that, though, I think this is a good scene. Yes, I do, too. Um, I really I like the setup. we got a, a father and son, and the kids. It's cool because like, they're in a pickup truck. They seem sort of like kind of like rednecks, but the kid is really into dancing and everything like that. And they've been like hunting or whatever. The dad goes off on his own. He's like one or just disappears into the dark as this kid is alone calling for the cops while these escaped mental patients are just kind of wandering around. So the kid gets nervous, gets the gun kind of wanders off on his own looking for his dad and I think this this is an appropriately suspenseful moment yes. and I uh, you know it's I, this, this is, does a good job of building up the dread like I, I agree I would have liked to see Michael but in terms of this just like knowing what we do know and knowing that he's out there and he's he's loose and that I mean at, at this point you got to as soon as the dad leaves the bus he's dead but now you're really wondering. I was like, okay, is he gonna kill this little kid, this boy? It's, yeah. And it's effective with the cop telling the guard telling him to run that instead of trying to yeah. help him just run. That that's pretty. This this scene works. I mean, it is kind of stupid for the guy, for the father to get out right away. I mean, especially because if you see people wandering around wearing white robes and white right. pajama outfits, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, hospital patient comes to mind. Maybe not mental, but if they're wandering aimlessly, probably. <laughs> At the very least, you know, and, I, and plus we don't know what the what the oh, gun safety 101 here. <laughs> Too many to name for the head. Follow Thanos' advice. <laughs> Go for the head. Uh, and this this is the, this will become the first, but clearly not the last of uh, Michael Myers' uh, pension for like slamming people's heads against things. Uh, yes, really, really. Yeah, not very creative when it comes. To, they, they show you a few creative kills. But it's after the fact in this movie. Almost everything you see is not particularly creative, and he does have a penchant for neck breaking and and head smashing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and that was see that was an effective use of not seeing too much of Michael before he puts the mask back on. Some, but this ma- this movie does have a lot of issues with, in my opinion, of crossing that line as I kind of mentioned earlier between who's the shape and who's Michael Myers. Yeah, because, because if you want to show Michael from from behind, if, every time I see that that beard and I see him standing there, I think of freaking Leon Cunningham from Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's like it's a Davos there. <laughs> it's the Onion Knight. Uh, <laughs> that's what that's what it looks like from his profile from the side, uh, from the back anyway. Both the profile and the back. But if you want to do that before he gets the mask, or before basically before he comes back online, before I'm okay with that. But once he starts killing and walking around again, you should really start not showing him. Even the, even the scene we're going to get to soon uh, at the gas station. They could have shot that or framed it differently where you did not see the back of his head, the side of his face when he's doing this. Mm-hmm. You did not need to – they could have also probably done that scene at night if they wanted to depending how close the gas station was to Haddonfield. But either way, they either but, – but, but the reality is I think that they showed too much of – too much of Michael without his, without his mask, while he's supposed to be basically the shape again. Right. So I think I that that kind of I thought that was the case when I when I saw it the first time and and here is Hawkins uh, finding certain did he escape? Yep. Well, you you, you as he was hoping the answer was going to be yes. <laughs> and there's the confirmation of what happened to the kid's dad. We actually yeah, saw that him. was that was very nicely gross yeah. but very nicely done. 
but you mentioned like how like Michael's just kind of like throw, you know slamming heads and everything. That's that's one of those things that like we associate like with this movie with Michael Myers like with like a butcher knife or a knife just like stabbing people. But you go back to the original Halloween movie. How many people does he stab versus how many people does he like just strangle? Like the girls, like Laurie's friends. They're all strangled, like in the car or with PJ Solzy, like the, with the telephone wire and everything like that. She she definitely gets completely strangled. Annie kind of gets strangled and gets stabbed. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, does he stab her in the yeah, car he, too? Yeah, it, it's in the it's in the the edited version where you just I think you just see her get strangled, but in the in like on the regular Blu-ray version, mm. uh, you it, yeah it, you which surprised me too because when I had never seen the un. Before I had ever seen the uncut version, I never th- realized that she got stabbed. But yeah, she she got that. Because don't forget in Halloween too, when they're wheeling her out, her throat's cut. Oh yeah. So so he's and so and obviously Bob Bob gets stabbed. And but I don't know. I I don't know what. Do we really know what happened to the uh, to the mechanic that he got the? Was he just strangled or stabbed? I know there's blood, so he had so maybe. But he didn't have a knife then, so I don't know. So he. So maybe, right, I, I assume he, t- I assumed he like bludgeoned him to death yeah, with his probably, tools or something. Like, took, a ha- took a hammer or something like that, or yeah, or, or like as as we see him do a number of times in yeah, this one, just, you know, slams his head into the ground or uh, the side of a truck or something. But this part with Hawkins is great. The way he just del- the way that line is just delivered. Because here's my concern. Anyway, <laughs> going on the list, and they find you know, Michael Myers is the only one of relevance, which would make sense. <laughs> and you have the you have the most idiotic. Back-to-back reaction by the same character, like in movie history, it's like uh, Michael Myers with a bunch of nutbags on Halloween. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy, and it's like, oh, but what are we gonna do? Cancel Halloween? <laughs> How about letting people know Michael Myers might be loose in Haddonfield? <laughs> that might be a start. <laughs> His that character seems like it should be like a Rob Zombie, one of the Rob Zombie movies. <laughs> and who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is supposed to be like a slight homage to like a. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, he definitely seems like he wandered off the wrong movie. This this scene is this scene, even though we see too much of Michael, this scene is nicely shot. Just the way you just you know you see Mike, you know Michael ends up pulling in, and you and you see Michael the way Michael just gets out and walks away. You kind of you kind of hear him attacking one of the mechanics just because you hear hear him you know hear him dropping the. Th- the equipment or whatever. Uh, you got the cra- you got the crazy the crazy old woman in the resurrection in the resurrection van, kind of giving Aaron the eye, like trying to point him in the direction. Hey, take a look over there. <laughs> Somebody's getting killed over there. Take a look. Now, yes, obviously she could have opened her freaking mouth, but just this. Whoop, look over there. <laughs> so I think this 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 part of this scene is nicely done, and and you see Michael in the background. I think. Yeah. Right over here, right? You see Michael. Yes, you see Michael killing the guy that he gets the overall the gets the overall from, I believe. Uh, but that was that part is nicely done. And this whole scene is nicely done, but you just see too, you see too much. You see too much, or or I guess because of where Aaron is, it wouldn't be plausible. To, but but he could have gotten the mask first, and then taken these characters out. Uh, mm-hmm. But it it is uh, Dana. <laughs> So sophisticated, but yet still asks for the Lou, even though she knows she's in Haddonfield, Illinois. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> That's why they both they both do have their moments, but this 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 scene is a little again. This scene, 
is a little is kind of creepy. It has got a lot of atmosphere, but like you and I talked about, and we we really should just attach this at the end. But when we did the trailer review, because we, <laughs> because we actually hit the nail on the head about a lot of this. You were correct in the fact that pretty much every scene, in, every decent scene with Michael Myers in the movie, we saw in the trailers. Yeah, yeah. And this scene was ruined, and the you know the full effect of this scene was ruined in the in the first trailer when he, when he drops the friggin' teeth over the the bathroom stall door. So we know what's coming, just like later on in the Vicky scene, we know what's coming because they showed it in the first trailer. If there was right. any suspense to it, and I think that's one of the, one thing this movie I think is guilty of is that it's not very scary. Yes, that was one of my first thoughts. Like, is that I never really felt that sense of fear or tension until again the third act when it's really just him and Laurie alone that was like the first time when i was kind of like okay now i'm getting into this now i'm kind of feeling the sense like of the danger um but yeah this this, i I don't know if it was just the setup or again just like the the repetition of seeing it's like yeah i know and and this scene in particular i think this was one of the things that we talked about i mean being a man i don't have the same sensibilities but as a woman alone in a gas station bathroom and a strange man walks in and just starts kicking down the doors yeah that could be terrifying and if yes. you have like a different oh this shot with the hose whew. on the ground yeah but um but yeah so but it's yeah like the the whole thing of him like stalking them and and the way he takes them out in this this bathroom like i never uh, i never got it i'm like it didn't. It didn't bring the scare. That didn't bring the chills to me that I was hoping for. Yeah, most, I think the few scares in this movie are just mostly like cheap jump scares. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that's the. I think. I think that's the sad part. I mean, almost the majority of the scene. We the majority, the relevant parts of the scene we already knew from the first trailer. We knew. You know, she, I think there were scenes of her crawling like under the stall. We basically see, even though they cut it so quick, it was hard to know. But it became pretty clear once you slowed it down that it was Aaron's head who gets slammed into the stall stall right. door. Uh, I, I actually like when she, I actually like the part when she's crawling under the stall and she bangs her head on the toilet because at least that, yeah. that that adds an element of reality because that probably would happen and that would hurt like hell. <laughs> Right. And she does freeze here when you know obviously he partially is trying to buy her time to get out, and she. But uh, it's the it's the um it's the scene from Alien with Lambert and uh, yes, yes so, and he's screaming at her to get out of the room, and she just all she can do is just sit there and quiver and as a leading both of them both of their deaths. Uh, yeah, I mean you can't take out the Onion Knight that way. No, that's right. <laughs> like this I think- is. I mean, this is brutal. There's no doubt. This is this is really, really, this is really brutal. But, uh, yeah, poor. Aaron. At least, at least, Aaron went out fighting. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> and here comes yet another neck break, which at least is number three because we know that uh, Lumpy's father obviously had his neck broken considering <laughs> his head was facing the wrong, facing up. The neck was right. facing up when it shouldn't be facing up. Uh, and this scene would have been cool if we hadn't already seen it in the trailer. <laughs> and actually, what I still, I think it could have been still cooler again if maybe you just didn't see him with the mask on until like he closed the trunk. Mm-hmm. Like you could have saw him reach for it. He still could have had his hands on it with the reverence of touching it. But again, it's like if again if if this is 1978 and 2018 he wore it for 20 for less than 24 hours cuz he didn't get it until he broke into the hardware store <laughs> the reality is how attached could he really be to the mask right right that, and yeah. i mean 
that plays at our attachment to it, but it doesn't make a lot of sense in the context of the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when I first watched it, I felt like Aaron's fate was a little bit ambiguous there. It could have been. Like, yeah, I think. Like, I, I kind of felt because his eyes were still like partially open. I was like, did he? survive that like i was kind of expecting them to reveal that he was you know alive and he would be like kind of coming around by the end of it or something but yeah i don't know i think it was just like weird strangely shot and edited that moment because i thought like he watched as he watches her die i kind of felt like i was like well did he live is he gonna be like a witness to this i don't know so um uh, okay, so kind of going back to like the sense of like, is it scary? And again, I try to. It's one of those things where I ask like, like, who is this movie for? It seems like it's a movie for longtime fans of the franchise who've seen the first one and like we're kind of like revisiting this thing. But I mean, as a commercial, you know, Blumhouse horror movie, like what they what the studio is going to be looking for. The major audience for these types of movies is teenagers in like early twenty somethings or something. So, if they don't have the experience, I mean, would they find this scarier because they haven't seen this type of movie done to death over and over and over again? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not quite. Yeah, I would agree. I don't. I don't necessarily know. I've, and we know it goes with the hype of the movies talking about, mm-hmm. uh, oh, this movie's you know it's gonna scare the hell out of you or whatever John Carpenter said is you know when press in it's like what is he what else is he gonna say this movie will bore you to tears <laughs> it's like <laughs> you'll cry wanting your money back no but but the reality is I I there definitely have been scarier Halloween movies not keep moving beyond the original. I think right. there have been movies that overall have more of a, a, a an atmosphere or a, there's good performances in this movie. Like you mentioned, Jamie Lee Curtis is really good. Uh, Will Patton's really good, in, like in everything, but he's really good mm-hmm. in this in this movie. Uh, at, you know, so, but in a way, this move to me. I think, generally speaking, this movie has a lot of cool scenes in it, but it does make it a, does it make it a good movie <laughs> to me yeah yeah i think and, and unfortunately again a lot of the good scenes we had already we had already but on bum scene in the trailers mm-hmm. so that that is part of it the thing that the thing that i do like about as we're, this is kind of beginning to, to change over that once things really go to to hell how the characters that were given Lori hell and they were all in control like Karen, especially most of Karen, <laughs> uh, who are in control of all this situation, and and she was and she's a wreck. As soon as things start falling apart, like she expected, now Lori's the one who's calm. Lori's the one who knows what's happening and calling the shots, and everybody else is a friggin' wreck. <laughs> so I, so it is kind of like it's kind of like the redemption arc for Lori at that point. Right. And right. Karen does really become annoying in the second act. <laughs> very yeah, quickly. Yeah. If she wasn't in that scene, very quickly. Uh, and yes, it's a, Hawkins. with with the first, you know, the the first reference to how he was there that night, which will which we'll get back to, which will be referenced again by Sartain not too long from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, I think that would have been a cool scene to see, even if in, even in a flashback in Hawkins' mind. Was he? Uh, is this a? Yeah, it, was he established in, like, Halloween 2? Like, did they ever rep- reference, like, a Deputy Hawkins I or anything? I don't believe so. Obviously, he wasn't the main one, because that was Hunt. I right, don't, the I, sheriff. Don't, I don't think we ever heard 
a Hawkins, even on the radio. I don't think so. Uh. And this become and this is the arguably the coolest shot of the movie. The one take, the one shot. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Playing the, of course, but the the ever so subtle replaying of the the little limerick there or Halloween poem that was in the original movie when we first mm-hmm. see Michael before we see Michael and we see the Myers house. Uh, this be- this begins a forty year a forty year uh, alternate timeline of Halloween too because uh, because a lot of the same things end up happening with so many of the same characters are kind of in similar ways if they're not the same character. This, right. is, this is like a Mrs. Elrod throwback, clearly. Uh, even though we did get a direct reference to Mr. Elrod soon enough, that this is clearly a reference to Mrs. Elrod getting ki- not getting killed, but having Michael in their kitchen in Halloween too. Yep. This part is kind of weird because based on where we see her body. She should have seen Michael walk into the kitchen before she got bludgeoned. <laughs> but, yet she, but yet there's no screaming involved. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Michael gets the knife and just like at the cutting board like in Halloween 2. And there she is bludgeoned. I, they, the, the, t- the thing with the baby is a nice touch because it opens mm-hmm. the door because we just saw him kill a kid. So right. is he going to have any compulsion to, to kill or not kill a baby? And it's like <laughs> – and I mean, speaking as a relatively new father, that was a scene where I w- it did make me uncomfortable, and I was like, uh, "What's he gonna do here?" And then I was, whew, there, there was a little bit of relief. So that might have been kind of like a yes cheating way of of building a little bit of tension. There. I agree, but, and, uh, I, and that wor- yeah. and I agree with you that I think that worked. That's one of the, one of the moments that I think it did work. And again, if we hadn't seen this all in the second trailer, pretty almost all of it. Not right. Uh, it would have been more effective. We had really seen almost all of this, and I know they show this at Comic Con and things like that. But they didn't need to have the almost the entire scene and be the second trailer. Right. Uh, I right. Think, I think that I think that was a mistake. Although you can just imagine what's going through Michael's head here, seeing what these people are doing. <laughs> what the hell are these people dressed up for at Halloween like this? <laughs> He's like, what the hell has happened in forty years? <laughs> yeah. But then Gosh, like almost as like a little, this works like as a little mini vignette, like a little sort of love letter to uh, like Halloween and like what it was. If you just take this scene, the sequence, like on its own, it's really really nice. But yes, again, it's just kind of it's like one of those things where well, in isolation, it's cool. But like when you when you put it as part of this whole thing, it's like, uh, what was the point of this? Like. Like, why is he killing these people? <laughs> like, he, he kills one with a hammer in order to get a knife. He kills one with a knife in order to get a home base. I guess. I think. He, I think he. I think he ignored. It's not that he killed her. I think he hammered her to get to get the knife. I think he completely zoned out that there was a knife there until he was done. <laughs> but, but see, I can buy some of this because this is this is you know the pent up anxiety and of being locked away for forty years. So I can understand. And there is, and then there is something a little bit scary about at least short term him going from house to you know basically going from house to house potentially and killing, even though I think they they could have had more of that. <laughs> right. right. It's, I mean, it's, it makes more in a way it makes more sense what he's doing to me in that scene than some of the stuff that we're going to see in, in a few minutes at the, at Julian's house. Mm-hmm. Because that really that's kind of that's kind of an an odd. Sequence. I mean, on many levels, it's odd, but I mean, it's just. And and this is, you know, in a way, this scene is kind of, other than showing, you know, Allison kind of maybe being a little more well-adjusted as a teenager than Laurie was, 
that right. it's it seems to only serve a purpose to to split her and Cameron up, and to of course, as we know, to have the a really stupid way of getting her phone out of the mix, which is still stupid because most people still would have taken the phone out of the cheese, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? No matter what, you probably wouldn't leave your phone behind, even if it turns out being shot. You're not going to leave your phone behind. I mean, that's yeah. Take out. it out of the right. Take it out of the cheese and put it in the rice and yeah. hope that it works the next day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or wi- wipe it off. Yeah, <laughs> take a wet paper towel and ever so gingerly clean up the buttons and everything else. And exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, but that is. I mean, that is, that's one of those things where you know the technology of like cell phones and like instant communication is one of those things that has ruined a lot of sort of conventional like movie scenes that now like like filmmakers have to take things like that into account when they create like, well, how do you isolate someone when it's so easy for us to talk to each other? And it's. Yeah. Especially in this kind of setting, because you, because as I talk about tropes, as we've seen in so many horror movies, all you need to do is pe- put, send people out to the woods, and of course they're not going to have cell service. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in Haddonfield, Illinois, that's not likely to happen unless you're going to do a Halloween four where Michael takes out everything, including the electricity and the and the communications. <laughs> Michael had a plan. Uh, he's been studying those maps when he'd been in the coma at that federal facility. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, they, were, they were reading him. The, they were reading him schematics to his bedtime stories. He he somehow Michael smothered himself onto a rocket to go out into space to take out the satellite, <laughs> the, right. the Comcast satellite. So, like all the all the AT and T time where like cell signals are down or whatever, and then he came back down so that he could hunt them without them calling each other. So, did you like Julian or did you not like Julian, or did you partially like Julian? <laughs> Um. Ah, gosh. Or do you like it? Or do you like him, but you don't think he fits the tone of a movie like this? Because I guess that's yet another option. I kind of no. I uh, ask me that again in ten minutes. Okay. (laughs) I mean, because again, in a vacuum, he's funny. In a vacuum, he's funny, and the relationship they kind of have is is. Again, trying to put a modern take on the babysitter kid relationship versus the the Lori Tommy Doyle kind of thing. Uh, I, I I can see that. See, this is weird focusing in on the closet. In a few seconds, we're gonna we're gonna go. They're gonna show a scene outside the house where thanks thanks to the the wonders of subtitles, we know Michael's breathing. <laughs> so Michael's not in the closet at that point. I'm still trying to figure out how Michael gets in the house, let alone the closet. Because we really don't get much of an explanation for that. We, we, we don't get that camera. Of- we don't get that camera shot of Michael Army crawling across the floor as Julian's looking around. So, like, all right, stop, stop. Okay, he's not looking. Army crawl across the floor. I mean, the closet would be okay if. Well, the problem is they're both sitting in the living room, so there has to be a back door into the house. Unless, because I mean. He could be climbing windows, but that's not really Michael's thing for the most part. Mm. But the fact that they're focused in on that closet door, and again, they sh- in a few seconds we're going to see when we go back to that house, uh, the subtitles show that he's breathing outside, which means he's not upstairs yet. Right. So that's and there's Victoria Justice. Oh no, it's not. But it does kind of look like <laughs> the, tra- the, the the trampy version of Victoria Justice. <laughs> oh, Victoria's gone bad. Uh, oh, here we here comes the infamous. Uh, Let's 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 get the let's get the cell phone out of the girl's hands. Mm-hmm. Cam- Cameron's a weird character. I mean, he's not really horrible. He's no, a- but yeah, I mean, it, it, 
it felt like we got the scene at the restaurant in order to establish, yeah, he's a nice boyfriend, and then this kind of comes out of nowhere, and yeah, I, I don't know, like, what was the point, again, was the point of this to make her feel more alone, that she doesn't have him? I mean, would the stakes have been better if, if you know, Cameron got killed while they were together, and, like, she saw him or something? Like, it would have been more emotionally damaging? Ah, God, I don't know, like, because yeah, he... Because the deleted scene moment, he got ended up getting arrested, right? Wasn't I think? Yeah, yeah, for be for mouthing off to the cops. So that's still for, so from an isolation perspective, that also would have isolated her. So I, but in a way, that would have been somewhat more. But again, they had to explain what the deal was with her phone. So I don't think that was the best explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it almost would have been Michael breathing heavy. There's the, <laughs> uh, the it almost would have been a better explanation if her friggin' battery just died. Right, which would have been a trope, but at least it's something that could be it's uh, it's a little more realistic than let's throw it in some some uh, queso cheese so you can't use the phone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish Vicky had more of a role in this movie. I guess she couldn't have based on the di- based on the way this movie was structured, but but she was a I think she was a likable enough character. I don't mm. know why I don't know why she was with Dave. <laughs> sure, I mean Dave is. Yeah, Dave seems really below her. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it's again this movie. Like thinking about like the audience, think about what they're trying to do. You have this whole thing with like these these teenage characters and the babysitters and the whole like, kind of trope of what Michael Myers is doing. And this type of thing could be really cool. I mean, they they could take a new approach to it and like reinvent some things. I mean, in in a relatively short time. A lot of these characters are likable-ish, like enough that with some development you would miss them if they died. But it's kind of like this is just thrown in there because what really matters is the generational family thing right. with Lori and Karen and Allison. And that's where the story ultimately has to go, so it kind of feels like – Almost like as soon as we see any of these characters or spend any time with them, you you kind of like you know that this is just cannon fodder. Yeah, they're expensive. You know, that's that, that's who these people are. It's like we just we needed a few extra characters in order to raise the body count because that's what you expect Michael to do. So, yeah, it's just yeah, everyone, everybody's expendable. Right, right. The one thing that the other—I mean, I don't even think you can make the case with Aaron and Dana. But the one thing I was—I th- was just crossing my mind when you were talking was the one thing this movie, other than other than Sartain, I guess Sartain is the one who kind of like breaks that breaks that. And mm-hmm. and as annoying as Ray is, you can't—he doesn't really fall into this too. That uh, with the exception of Sartain, there aren't really there's really not another character I don't think in this movie that you're just waiting for them to die <laughs> just because it's <laughs> so annoying you want them. You can't wait to get their death scene. None mm-hmm. of, I mean, none of these characters are real. So on that level, in a way, it, it kind of follows like the original Halloween, even though I think Annie was really annoying in the original Halloween. More than Linda. Linda was a little more, I think, likable. Annie was kind of a kind of a bitch, I think, in the first in the first one. Which was interesting, because mm-hmm. they kind of changed that in the Rob Zombie one. And maybe they just did it because Daniel Harris was playing Annie in that movie. But Annie, I think, Annie, in, well, in the Rob Zombie one, Annie was arguably the most likable of all of them. <laughs> Including Laurie, who was not likable at all, which was the right. fail. Scout Taylor Compton or whatever, she's not likable. Certainly not in that movie. It's like, even she was the least likable of the three, and that's not what you should be doing. Uh, yeah, Vicky being cute here with the... Uh, Playing games. Uh, well, the 
and here's here's your other trope. You have to have the requisite stoner. Right, right. Especially at the worst, in the, the most inappropriate time. Kind of reminds me of like Halloween, not Halloween three, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three with the stoners. Right when Shelley, when Shelley gets killed, a good one, Shelley, or whatever. When it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean. I mean, another one is it's just sort of maybe I'm like too locked into like sort of more conventional like relationship matchups from like the 80s and 90s. But I was like, would a girl like Vicky, would she go out with a guy who looks like he's from My Chemical Romance? Or would, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't she be more of like the, you know, into the football player type? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not a matchup you would you would really think that would that would work. I mean, mm. I'm not not to you know, not to pigeonhole people and some people obviously. In a perfect world, we do look beyond looks and things like that, but 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 it's not like he's a Rhodes Scholar either. <laughs> so he's 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 harmless. He seems harmless, uh, but he's also real stupid. Coming, messing around with the bike, dropping the bike, and what is this Sharia reference? I'd like to know what the freaking point of that was. <laughs> uh, that doesn't seem really smart either, but. And now we have which which could have been a cool moment. It's cool. It's still a cool scene. It's just not scary or surprising because we know what's going to happen. Right. Though I do think in in the history of people running and fall, of women running and falling down, at least this is a little, at least this is somewhat believable because she is on like a hardwood floor and she's in socks. Mm-hmm. So that is realistic. That is realistic that she could she could wipe out. Uh, and especially if, even though we didn't see any blood on the floor at that point, but if there was even a couple of drops of blood from when she got stabbed, if that was, you know, if she slipped on that too. But this is this this is this is very effective. This right here, because because you, you could tell, you know, Julian really doesn't know what to do. Right. He wants to help her, and this part is funny, but not supposed to be funny. Don't go up there; you're gonna get killed, Dave. <laughs> It's funny when you watch it without the with the, without the subtitles because you really don't. When I first heard the saw the movie, you don't really hear the "Don't go up there." You just kind of hear, "You're gonna get killed, Dave." <laughs> to me, anyway, and it's like, "Whoa, um, there's Michael." What do you think of the mask? Because as I watch this movie more and more, I think the mask from the side looks really good, but the more I see it from the front, I don't buy it as much. I know it's got to look battle damaged because it's 40 years later, but I it but I. It kind of bothers me more when, I, the more, and Lord knows I've seen this movie enough since I've gotten it, that mm-hmm. I, I think that the side views do look like, especially in a few minutes when, uh, when Michael starts leaving Julian's house, uh, after basically he and Lori see each other for the first time, that when you see the profile, it looks really good. Right. Know? But I think the more you see it face on, head on, I don't think I don't know. It's not bad. It's certainly. Certainly, it's the, I think overall it's the best mask since Halloween one and two, which of course was the same mask, really. Uh, but so I think it's good, and I and they did it. So I, I, I I'm probably just being nitpicky on that one, I guess. But it's like uh, that that original mask is so iconic. It's just kind of any, even though they did a good job of recreating it, it's, it's just it's it's hard. You know, it's it's lightning in a bottle, really, with that thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the thing about the mask is, I think it just it's. It serves to remind me that it looks old, it looks weathered, it looks beaten, and it's sort of like, yeah, and the guy wearing it is 70 years old. And again, that's that's another thing, like, with this movie is, I, I keep, like, 
because again we're bringing Lori back and we're kind of like doing this like extended continuation and I'm wondering it, it reminds me of what they did with Star Wars The Force Awakens and what they did with Creed and it's like kind of like we're doing those but what you had with those was a you know fan service to the original but used as a bridging device to introduce a new generation and a new thing and with this one it's like okay are you setting up um, are you setting up, you know, Allison to be kind of like the new hero or something? But like, what? What's what's the threat? Like, who? Like, uh, eventually, if you stick with this road, Michael can't stay the killer. You're gonna the clock is running, uh, and you. And so, like this, this doesn't seem like it's like a bridging like movie to like extend like a new generation of like Halloween movie type of franchise. It doesn't seem like it could sustain that because you establish. The, the vulnerabilities of, of Michael Myers, although they do ignore a lot of like what what the the hindrances of his age should be in this. It just seems like is this a finale? Is this meant to be like the capper on the character and what it means? I, again, I, I just I, I don't know what they're trying to do with this one. But. They saved Michael's brain. It'll be ahead of the jar. <laughs> <laughs> he'll take. He'll have these telepathic powers and just take over new bodies. Yeah. Oh, we kind of saw that in Jason and in, in the 13th 9, didn't we? And we know how well that worked. Uh, <laughs> give or take. This scene, again, this scene is cool, but again, we had seen some of this, and the idea that that was Nick Castle was good. See, there, I like it. The, this whole part of Michael just walking by him and leaving, I thought that's cool. Why he's shooting aimlessly when he doesn't, when he has no, no clear line. I don't know. Uh, this, I like the way Laurie plugs him here, and he just keeps moving on. Uh, mm hmm. This, of course, is it goes back to like Bob getting killed, pretty much. Uh, yet another wound, and that was a pretty, that was a pretty good shot too. <laughs> oh yeah, that kind of it takes a chunk out of him. Yeah, and then and, and he's bleeding, and you can I think later on you still see that you see that wound uh, maybe during the uh, stuff with Oscar and Allison. I think you might see, but either way, you do you. Oh yes, these two. Actually, Hawkins is lucky he didn't get shot himself. <laughs> Yet another gunshot to for Michael Myers, but of course in this in this timeline he hasn't been shot all that much. <laughs> but that only was seven. That only beats the seventh time he's been shot. <laughs> only seven. Only seven. Amateur flesh wound. No, uh, oh, poor Vicky. Oh yes, and, the, and and here and here's another like trope. Look who's up! Like we really care. <laughs> Making a miraculous recovery. They must have pumped pumped a lot of blood into him since we know he had lost so much when he, before. Ah, <clears throat> oh, Sartain. But at least he he's a good enough actor where he makes you believe that he's a good guy. <laughs> <For this. laughs> Of course, this is like a whole Captain Obvious like replay. It's like uh, he's no longer dormant. Well, no shit, we know that. <laughs> he's just going to continue to kill. Well, we know that too. Thanks. How long have you been hey. studying this guy? <laughs> I spent I spent five minutes with him forty years ago. I figured that out. <laughs> really quick, what's uh, I? Because my my TV started buffering or whatever, and I've kind of I lost. I think I'm I'm trying to like get back to where you are. Like, what's like? Can you give me like a time yeah. time code or like? Well, I can pause it for a second if you want. I'll pause well, yeah, like what? Let me pause it real quick, and I'll, let me hit the display, and I'll tell you where I am. I am 
A minute four and forty one seconds. Okay. Sartain is just about to talk to Lori. Yeah, I jumped ahead of you. <clears throat> so let me know when you go back there. I was trying to. Because mine is he literally, literally Lori Strode is written in the in the in the caption, so he's just referring to her or addressing her, I should say. <clears throat> You're at 104 something? Yeah, 104.41. Now, even if you're close, it won't, a few seconds won't matter. Yeah, I'm at 103. Hang on. Shoot. Damn it, this remote just keeps on jumping. I know, I hate that. It's like on Amazon Prime, I do that. On my Blu-ray player, when I, I've watched through my Blu-ray player, so I can't f- watch and forward. I can only do chunks, and sometimes if it just, it just keeps going, it's like, oh my god. All right, sorry, give me a second. I'm going to have to like rewind this slow so I know that I don't jump over it. Let's... All right, we're close, we're close. Uh, 104.50. That's good enough. All right. I know. Actually, I'll start playing it now. So. Lori Strode, meet Dr. Sir. Yes. Yep. The thing that I find okay. in, the thing that I find interesting about the magic word again, uh, in this important, maybe important, is when mm-hmm. he says that I've read everything about you and Michael, everything, <laughs> and the way she reacts to it, and mm-hmm. you notice the way she reacts to it, that it makes them and makes you wonder maybe, but no matter what it is, maybe there's something else that we don't know about, uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily the same familiar ties. Now, to me, this is this part of this is stupid. But he goes, "Oh, do you, did you know our friend Hawkins here?" I was like, "Of course she would know that. How could she <laughs> not know that? I'm not, not, not because she was going to be standing there necessarily, but how would she not know that? That obviously is. I mean, talk about Hawkins' claim to fame in town. That is what his claim to fame is. Right. He found that he found the injured Michael Myers when Loomis said was had tracked him down wherever it was, and he was about to pump like more, six more shots or whatever into him, and he stopped him. Right. He would have been in the newspaper. He would have been not, like right. a, appearing in court. There would have been like new trials for these kids because they would have – yeah. So he, it, a, he, he would have been the first responder on the scene at, you know, at, 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 the, at the Doyle house, and that's, and that's what – so I mean that's it's we I mean that's the way that was written that was weird because the, the two characters involved not only don't not only do they already know each other and have a relationship not a you know relationship relationship but they but they know each other they're friends you assume but they at least have a personal relationship they know each other that's yeah that's common knowledge and again that's going to be this guy's claim to t- fame in town so of course it's just a way of that's a way of telling us this but it, it was kind of, but I don't think that was the best way of. That's why I think they could have had a flat. They they they've referenced that like twice in this movie. They could have had just Hawkins going into himself, and you see a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, you didn't have to see Loomis's face, and you didn't have to worry about getting a look alike. Get some guy who looks like him from behind in the coat, and he's and he's aiming at Michael, and and kind of kind of like the way Brackett pulled his pulled the gun down when he was when he almost plugged Ben Tramer. Mm-hmm. In the second one. Speaking of Brackett, it's kind of weird that there was no ref. I mean. I guess there could have been a reference to Brackett at some point, maybe referring to Hawkins. I mean, I guess that wasn't critical, but in a movie that throws so, throw, throws so many bones to so many other Halloween movies, whatever happened to, to Sheriff Brackett, especially in, in a land without Halloween too? Because even though yes, Annie is still dead, but, but I don't know. That was that was one of the things I remembered in the movie, just because uh, but via absence, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, so. Sartain 
clearly Sartain's view on Michael Myers, and again, this is why if we knew how Michael Myers got captured, some of it would make sense. If it was the idea that he is an animal, like he refers to Mike, like earlier in the movie, that Dr. Loomis was the only one who ever saw um, Michael Myers in the wild. The wild. So he mm. views Michael Myers as a predator. He views Michael Myers as an animal, but he doesn't necessarily view him as supernatural or because of the – probably, partially because of the fact that obviously Michael Myers was wounded that night and Michael Myers shut down. Whether right. it's because Michael, whether so that so he could analyze that and say there's a there's a survival instinct in Michael that knows that if you know maybe because Hawkins was probably the first cop on the scene, but obviously there were going to be a bunch probably soon thereafter. That yeah, I'm probably not going to survive like 24 bullets more. <laughs> you know, so it's easy to look into that from that perspective and make maybe view him as more of an animal than pure evil. That mm-hmm. there is a, that there's a sense of survival instinct in him that that if he was pure evil, if he was indestructible, then why would he, why would he have been taken into custody relatively easily in the sense that once he got shot and once Loomis found wherever he was, that was it. He kind of like no mas. He did the Roberto Duran thing. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the Arnold thing. I'll be back, but not but not for forty years. I mean, it could have been as easy as just passing out from blood loss. I mean, it could have been. been. He could have just been. He could have been unconscious by the time the by the time Hawkins that is, got. That is but, true. That is true. That. So. But we we don't know. That's the thing. We don't we don't really know. And here's Oscar making his making his play to get out of the friend zone and with failing yeah. miserably. And he was. I I, kinda, I mean, I liked him more than Cameron yes. up until this point. Oh, then all of a sudden, it's like really like we should have seen this coming because. Eh. Like and again, it's she's she's gonna be betrayed by every guy and everything like that, and it's I don't know, <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, it could, it could also have been handled better. I mean, he could have mm-hmm. he could have made over he could have been talking to her and making overtures and not just leaning in for the kiss, which is kind of right. And that I mean, she was a little harsh, but she's had a bad night. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not as bad well, as he's gonna have, right. but she, plus he just resorts to the whininess, which is yes, just kind of the, the drunken, dejected boy whininess, which is yes. dumb. Mister Elrod, <laughs> this scene is also pretty effective as far as uh, take, take, taking that motion sensor t- technology and using it to the fullest. Right, uh, right. But again, the I, and I guess at the end of the day, this is just you know. He, he's Michael. Michael is essentially aimless in this movie, and based on what Michael really, moving beyond the whole Judith thing, I guess that's what we're supposed to believe Michael really is. Though I do like the fact that there are mo- that there's seemingly, even though it's just a, it could very be a very clever way they they cut the scene and they and they wrote it, but it seems like Michael still has some kind of that that name still means something to, to Michael. That his sister still means something, but he just he is kind of aimless in 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 what he's doing, and that's and on one level, yes, it makes him scarier. It does if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, or not necessarily in the wrong place. It's just if it could be you, me, and two other people in the room in the house, and by luck of the draw, he's just going to figure out which one of the two he's going to kill for no reason. You know, there may no be no reason whatsoever. Just and so that's scary. But as we know, this whole movie was marketed with the concept that he waited. I waited for him. He's waited for me, and it's like, well, that's you've waited for him, but he hasn't been waiting for you. Right, <laughs> and it's really accident- not, yeah. 
yeah, it's accidental that he like stumbles onto Allison and this family connection and everything like that again. Like this is like this wasn't his plan. This wasn't his drive. No, not at all. I mean, and again, that's part of the weakness of the soon-to-be. This is a, this reveal is cool when the poor, yeah, mm-hmm. slipping and getting completely impaled, and when right. when Michael appears in a second, uh, just when Allison knows shit just got real. <laughs> right. I know you, but not personally, but I've heard a lot about you. <laughs> that with the whole Sartain thing, the the Sartain twist basically just exists to point the gun of Michael Myers at Laurie. I'll put him. On, I'll put him on that literally that direct path where he is. He's by 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 proxy. By he's going to have no choice but to stumble, uh, stumble into the humble abode of Lloyd <laughs> Yeah. So that that's one of that's that's one of the and and because it goes nowhere because they had that twist that gets resolved like in five minutes. <laughs> that's kind of that's. I mean, if they were going to go somewhere with it. Or even if Sartain hung around longer, you know, until, until for the until the showdown actually was taking place, then maybe that would have been more relevant, you know. Yeah, I felt like they almost waited. Maybe, I don't know if they waited too long for Sartain's re- reversal, but then dealt with it too quickly. I, yeah, I think you're right. Like, uh, like. I don't know. It, it was it was one of those things, and well, well I, I don't. We can we can address it when once it yes. gets there. But um. and we see Lori. A second ago, we saw Lori taking mm-hmm. take, taking control because Karen like just rambling on, and and and, and Ray's not, and Ray just always rambles on. So Lori mm-hmm. just takes takes control because that's kind of because basically Lori has been waiting as she, as we know Lori's been waiting for this moment because she knew this was going to happen and. And at least, and she's go, she's experienced this enough to know. <laughs> Even though it was only one night in 1978, but still, she's experienced it enough to know, you know, kind of like what you got to do here. Um, <clears throat> and then we get to. I, we're assuming what this is. This is when Ray Ray's first look at uh, Karen's childhood, I guess. <laughs> yeah, of <laughs> course, and personal. <laughs> Secret bas- <laughs> secret basement chamber That's underneath right. the, the kitchen island. The armory. Yeah. To the Mad Cave! <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for him. He's been waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> and what the scene is missing is, like, the minigun from, like, Terminator 2. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the police are here. How many? All of them, I All think. All of them, I think. <laughs> Uh yes, uh, and the crossbow, which of course was supposed to be a factor in the original ending of the movie, uh, where we saw some of the scenes from the first trailer, where Laurie's having that knife fight with him on the front lawn, <laughs> which probably wasn't a good plan to begin with. <laughs> yeah, her, her doing like this, uh, this knife fight, like with with beat it playing in the background, probably wouldn't have been the way to go. I even thought that when later on when they're when they're upstairs or whatever and she's you know fighting with him with a knife it's like yeah that's mm-hmm. of all things to fight with him with that's probably not. <clears throat> that also reminds me of the um, the movie Tremors with Michael Gross yes. and Reba McIntyre with their whole level armor. It's like you can get penetration even with the elephant gun. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot a flare gun into Michael yeah. Myers' house. <laughs> I do like the fact that Michael gives zero you-know-whats about just walking around openly in public. Right. 
don't care. <laughs> and Hawkins does absolutely the right thing here. Yes, just he does. Him and nobody realized it till the end. It's like, uh, as soon as he said, brace yourselves, that should have been the first clue of what he was planning on doing. Uh, but not for Sartain, obviously, and, and neither for Allison. She's like, watch out! It's like, what? I'm doing what I'm doing on purpose. Uh-huh. Here's rule, no, rule number one when, whenever you, like, t- temporarily disable Michael Myers. If he's in a really comfortable-looking position, he's not dead. <laughs> yeah. If he's waiting, if... You know, if he's looking like the Undertaker about ready to sit up in the ring, which I'm sure the Undertaker probably t- – I'm assuming he took that from Michael Myers, just the dead straight sit up and then turning your head to the side. Mm. But either way, if you're, if he's just waiting to, waiting for that to happen, he's not dead. You put a couple of bullets in his head. Which, he, which <laughs> in Hawkins' defense, he was going to. Yeah. He, yeah. Now, he should have moved around Sartain a little bit more. I mean, he right. could have. And let's be honest. On this level, this not the obviously the stabbing of Hawkins by Sartain, but Sartain being a problem was a little bit foreshadowed during this whole buddy buddy cop routine because whenever Hawkins told him to do something, he never did it. Right. He right. told him constantly to stay in the car, this and that. He never did any of it. Mm-hmm. So, he, so that that aspect of it, you could see a little bit of it coming. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is kind of a a weird. A weird yeah. moment. He's kind of he's kind of getting off on this a little bit too much. Uh, right. Well, maybe they, yeah they they do the thing of now like once uh, now that Sartain has killed Hawkins and such a like the, this act of betrayal and Hawkins who you know was the was a credible potential hero. I mean he yeah. he gave his good he he took Michael Myers down and could have been the the instrument of his death right there. You know this act of betrayal, this villainous turn. You're waiting for. Starting to die, and it has to be really appropriately gruesome. Yeah. And will it be uh, again? Like, is what? It, what is the you know just desserts, or what is the comeuppance that we're going to get from him? Is it going to feel like it? this other thing with Allison being trapped in the back of the car? This is another little. It is a trope, but it's it's kind of used effectively. Like I remember this from Scream Two. I think of yes, all things. Yes, it was Scream Two. Where, they were locked. Yeah, we're locked in the back. You have you have you know the hero in the back of a police car, which seems like the ultimate protective place, yep. the ultimate safe place, until the cops are taken out, and then you're vulnerable because you can't get out, and you're trapped, and the killer has perfect access to you. So, yeah, I, I think this is, in terms of like establishing her danger level, this this is fairly well handled. So, And as we see, she handles this scene very well. She handles mm. this. The situation she's in, again, you don't need to see Michael's face. That, yeah. and, 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 and speaking of, again, unrealistic – oh, poor Harkins. Uh, and, and talk about adding insult to injury. <laughs> uh, how are we really supposed to believe Sartain dragged his body into that car? He's, oh got, one, he's got one arm because he's, cause his other arm's in a sling. He's been shot, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he's not young. And he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's dragging Michael Myers. So yes, Michael Myers is not like six foot seven. He's not the Tyler Maine Michael Myers, but still, he's he's what I think. Forget how tall Michael Myers is supposed to be, like maybe five ten, five eleven. But either way, he's dead weight. Now he's all dead weight, and you're dragging him one handed, one armed. I mean, that's not re- that's asking a lot. That, right. I think that, and it, like yeah, putting it, lifting him up, putting him in the back of the car with a girl who probably could have, like in that case, might have been able to fight her way out of that situation if if she tried. I mean, he did. He was armed with, you know, but uh, so. then we yeah. get the, the Keystone <laughs> cops, and I, I admit, I kind of, I mean, if you're gonna have two stupid cops like the scene with them, these guys who you know they're gonna die, I kind of like them talking about the bomb in the sandwich. 
I, I think that, I don't think that seems as horrible as some people do. But the thing that annoys me is why is that guy so against like the banh mi sandwich? All it is is <laughs> peanut butter and jelly wrapped in some bread. How, why are you making it sound like it sounds disgusting? That's all peanut butter and jelly sandwich is. It's peanut butter and jelly wrapped in bread. Unless you try the bread, how can you say, oh, it sounds disgusting? The guy just explained the concept. It's just bread. You know? I mean, so so it's stupid just because it's just. I mean, I know that like that officer was just, you know, he's just supposed to be really anal and not really flexible at all. But I don't. But that, that reaction kind of seems a little extreme. Like that sounds disgusting. Okay, what? I'm not a- asking you to eat like raw fish. It's like I mean, if you don't like raw fish, it's like I'm giving you a peanut butter and jelly and a different sandwich, <laughs> a different bread. Excuse me, I don't know. Yeah, this this was Allison played this very well, trying to buy herself some time, uh, mm-hmm. and you know. <laughs> that was the word. Uh, <laughs> and and you wonder, and again, you you have no way of knowing one way or the other whether this was just Michael being doing that Geico thing. This is what if you're Michael Myers, this is what you do, or <laughs> or whether th- there is some aspect of the way Sartain was treating Michael Myers that maybe justified Michael Myers wanting to do this to him. Maybe he wasn't such a but. You know, now that we know the real side of Sartain, maybe there wasn't always that you know benevolent side of the way he was treating Michael Myers. Mm. Uh, but either way, it, it's it's nice payback the way Michael then drags him out of the car and puts him on the ground. But of course, it's Michael Myers, and he will he will have no trouble doing that. Right. This is a and whether how realistic this is, I don't know, but it certainly is probably one of the cooler death scenes in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Say something. It's like it, it, it's, ugh. it's like it's the holy grail to these people to uh, to get Michael to say something, and it's like mm-hmm. I, and I guess because and I guess it's just you know an ego thing, just because mm-hmm. no because because he hasn't spoken in so long, so. But like, like obviously Loomis got to the point where he wouldn't he didn't care. Like he said, he spent like the, he spent you know the first half of the, have Michael's time there trying to reach him, and the second half making sure he stayed locked away because he realized what he was. So there was no point that you know obviously Michael eventually just stopped talking, and it's like what's I know everybody wants that little kernel of information where it's like uh, they're looking for the answer, but there's mm-hmm. but that's the thing, but sometimes there is no answer. <laughs> Right. Goes back to the end of the Planet of the Apes with, with Doctor Zayas, like look, look, looking for the answers and the truth. Don't look, don't look for it, Taylor. You may not like what you find. <laughs> so we just saw the cops, of course, take way too long to go, to respond to another yeah. cop car. Just kind of stopped dead in the road. They go there. They find that the door is ajar. They kind of wander out lackadaisically, looking around, not really checking their surroundings. They see the bunch, and then we cut to we see Michael standing sort of behind them, back by their car, and then we don't see. And then the next time we see them, they will both be dead. And I feel like it's a little, it's more than a little cheat. That I mean, Especially yes, because of the kill, because of how cool the kills were. But that's, right. that's kind of the cheapness, and and I know you can only get away with showing so much, so especially. Uh, you know, Mr. Jack O' Lantern there. That you probably mm-hmm. you couldn't have seen the making of that and gotten away with it. But no, I think uh, for me, what makes it a cheat is okay. We've established they're kind of dumb, yeah, but they're also trained police officers with their guns drawn, and he's got a knife at most. And they should be at least looking for a killer around them. And the fact that he's able to get the drop on them and kill them both, like. 
it just felt a little bit too convenient that we don't see how he like even like even if we don't get like the full gruesome details like how he's actually like right next to them or something like you know cut, like slashing and cutting away or something like that and he pro- just, and realistically if you go back to that scene unless he took Sartain's scalpel he probably doesn't have his knife because he had his knife in his hand when he got hit by Hawkins. Sure, yeah, yeah. So he really shouldn't have the knife because I don't. There was no. There was no indication that that uh, Sartain threw the knife in the back with him. Right. I believe right. so. So yeah. So there, there's kind of there's kind of an opening there uh, because remember how you know, obviously because Ray over here is about to get up with friggin' like wind chimes. <laughs> Uh, that that was nicely done. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like that. Yeah, because he's about to get the, which the, the way he does this kind of like uh, like what Bud's Bud's death in Halloween too. That's that's what mm-hmm. it reminded me of. Not not as not quite as cool of the motion that, but very very similar in uh, in, in no pun intended execution. <laughs> uh, this is this is soon to be yet another head banging scene. Which makes you wonder how Lori survived, or how she stayed conscious when everybody else pretty much for didn't take mu- didn't take a whole lot of banging for everybody else to be pretty much useless. And, right. And Lori right. still was. Uh, <clears throat> and again, what, I don't know the idea of keeping. I guess I guess it's human nature to keep to want to keep looking out the glass, but you would think that probably wouldn't be a smart plan. Right. Right. Uh. Well, because as soon as you take your eyes off him, he, yeah. he disappears. That's that's, yeah, that, that's what he does. If you're right. Michael Myers, that's what you do. Uh, he, which, of course, Laurie, Laurie gets a pretty awesome payback with that, too, later on. But right. whether it's believable or not is another story, but we know it's uh, – <clears throat> yeah. So again, like this is the part of the movie. Like I, the first time I was watching this, I was kind of like, "All right, I, I see what they're doing here. I'm kind of going along with it." There are some entertaining scenes. There are a few little jumps, but I wasn't feeling the suspense. I wasn't feeling the sense of of fright and scare until right around here. And I knew like when he's attacking her through the door. But it was it was when it's just down to them, um, when it's it's just Michael and his last target. Um, then I was kind of like when it's like we'll we'll see like later on in the scene, but when it's just them kind of stalking through the house together, then I was kind of like, yeah, I'm digging this, and I'm kind of feeling the sense of suspense because at this point it's like Jamie Lee Curtis could die at any moment here. You, you know, we still got two more two more women left who could be like the final ones to take Michael Myers out. You know, they could do they, that could be the passing of the torch here. Nice blows his hands his fingers off. Um. So I was, I, you know, I was waiting for, you know, something, and this is where, at the point where I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm appropriately tapped into the movie. It, it took an hour and seven <laughs> yes. minutes. You know, it's, it, it took the third act, but once we get to the third act, I think this part of the movie is done really, really well. Why would she put the floodlights on before? I mean, I mean, that's the one interesting part of this. She's having, she's having them turn the lights off and everything earlier upstairs, which on one level you get, if. Maybe if you're not prepared, but having the lights on, at least you get to see what's going on. <laughs> Doesn't mean he's not going to try to, you know, take the take the power out, the, the basic power out. But you would think being in a well lit area is better than being in darkness. But mm-hmm. but I do like the fact her losing her glasses almost kind of makes it seem more a little bit more like our Laurie Strode, you know, uh, mm-hmm. too. And yes, the way they the way this ends up being reversed, that for the most part, up. Uh, 
for the most part, while Lori's still in you know in the house, while she remains in the house, uh, that she's she's really stalking him for the most part. And I kind of like right. I kind of like, and they obviously turn that completely you know implying that he like he's hidden in the closet and things like that. Uh, one thing that the thing about blowing his blowing his fingers off, which obviously was not a plan, it just happened. Now in real life. That's exactly what you would be doing to Michael Myers whenever he was incapacitated. <laughs> it's like you start blowing off appendages and limbs because at the end of the day, if Michael Myers is just like this legless, armless torso who's like slithering at you like Dirk Benedict from like back in the seventies, <laughs> that's not particularly scary, and I think he can get away. But as far no, as- I, I think at that point he's like the Black Knight from Monty Python. Yes. He can still he can still bite you to death, He'll bite your ankles until you bleed out. <laughs> just duct tape his mouth, to his mask. <laughs> But from a, from a franchise perspective, you got to be real careful with this because you can't maim the character too much because then you're you're not only changing the kind of the nature of him, you are diminishing him as a threat. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of Halloween too, I mean, say nothing about the explosion. She shoots him in, or Loomis shoots him in the eyes. She shoots him. She does. She does. Okay, I can remember which yeah. one. But yeah, she shoots him in both eyes. He should be blinded. He should have like no, like never mind. The- Bullets should have ripped through his brain, but like, could be should be completely blinded. But that's not what we see in Halloween Four. Yeah, yeah that's, so. that. Th- those are things that it's it's really hard to. Oh, they have the Kate McCourney transplant. <laughs> 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 he, he was high in the he was high in the list for donors. It's like, I mean, those. Yeah, it's it, it's hard. I mean, it's it's really hard. I mean, it's not like oh we. As we'll, t- we'll probably talk about this in a few weeks. It's not like explaining away like Rocky's brain damage in Rocky Five a little bit to do Rocky Balboa. <laughs> you can, there's ways you can kind of play around with mis- being misdiagnosed and not under con- understanding concussion protocols and syndromes and mm-hmm. things. Yeah, you, you lose both your eyes. Yeah, that's that's that kind of makes your it makes it problematic to explain that away in Halloween Four, which is mm-hmm. probably yet another reason why Halloween Two had to be done away with. But going forward, yeah, I mean, if you if you're going to ma- if you're going to maim him and and you, that even now, yes, they were smart enough not to have him lose all his fingers on his left hand. Mm-hmm. But you know, but his but his days of throwing like the knuckle curve being left-handed are long gone. Mm-hmm. So he's that so. Which is alright, because at least they take, at least they solve the problem they kind of created earlier in the movie by having him carrying the knife around in his left hand when Michael Myers is right-handed. <laughs> but right, right. but maybe maybe he went, he kind of figured he he learned a few skills in the last forty years. Being ambidextrous will come in handy. <laughs> but this this is I, this was really cool, especially when you first see it, the way she's going room after room, closing right. off room after room. That that's that's pretty cool. Just like just like this scene is when. When Allison finds basically Lori's target practice range, and yet how? Like, out of context, if you're running from a knife wielding serial killer, yeah, this would be really disturbing. Yes, especially since we know the the mannequins all had and were, had, were Michael Myers esque, uh, as we're going to see in a moment, which is kind of problematic because of again Lori not, not having lights. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, following the blood trail, that makes sense. Uh, I guess they didn't occur to her earlier, I suppose. <laughs> but but maybe she was just being methodical. Mm-hmm. Going somewhere, I assume he isn't. Just to... Uh... And it's interesting, this house was clearly designed the way... This house mirrors the Doyle house in many ways because it was supposed to be the Doyle house when they were going to reshoot the ending of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't find it as perfect a match as others like the balcony. The balcony's a little different, I think. 
with that roof. Right. Uh, but <clears throat> but that's the reason why they, this, which again shows you how far along they were in, in, in developing the idea of reshooting this the ending of that movie that they had this all built. <laughs> At least they were clever and they, and they found a purpose for it. But it makes you one. That's one of those things. that's like if you want to add stuff to that ending, okay. But the idea of changing it and having having even having Loomis die would have been a problem. Mm-hmm. Even if they even if he had shot Michael first, I think people would not have liked that. But the idea of potentially having him get killed first and then Laurie mm-hmm. shooting him off that just changes that changes everything. Yeah, this is this is this is pretty freaky. But <laughs> whole room full of mannequins and somewhere somewhere in here you know Michael Myers is because yeah. that's the blood and it's like uh right. <clears throat> at this point it's like, you know, Laurie, in hindsight <laughs> Yes did, did you need all of these targets? <laughs> yeah, and did you really need to keep him in the bedroom upstairs? Uh, I mean it's like come on. <laughs> The point when she was like, "Oh man, what was I thinking?" Yeah. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, it's Ray. Who cares?" Now it's like, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, it has less of an effect because she pretty much knew she knew he was dead anyway, really. So, but <clears throat> yeah, this. She's like, "Oh, it's just my son-in-law. I never liked him anyway." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's still one more closet door. It's Linda. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just – well, I'm not disappointed. It makes actually sense based on the plot. But when they had that – with that, the NECA figure, when they, and they said – and it included the tombstone of Judith Myers. I thought somehow Judith Myers – her tombstone was going to be a little more relevant than just that little excuse for a flashback and have Michael lurking behind a tree. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And Michael – Doing what Michael does. And Lori's not quite as prepared as she thought, though she does fight back. Yeah. Yeah, this is, that's where it's kind of weak. And taking him out with a knife is, it would be appropriate, but not very likely. <laughs> Plus he's some, you know. I do like this, uh, this fighting, this fighting dirty tactic. <laughs> fighting oh, yeah, hand. gosh, fighting that stump. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, she's, <clears throat> yeah, she's hurt, like, this part, oh, off. Yeah, this is rough. It is rough. The impact would have been – it would have been more believable that she was going to be like out mm-hmm. like, if she hadn't hit – if she didn't take – if it wasn't a two-step drop. You know, yeah. It was like a plop, then a drop. So you so some of the momentum got stemmed when – but right. this – yeah. I do – I mean that that shot for his POV shot looking down, I mean I, I think that is meant to echo the end of, oh, of you know, the first one, um, which would have been cool. Well, yeah, right here we see it again when he looks back and she is gone. I do think that's a nice touch. Yes, I do too. I thought that was – I thought that was nicely done. Plus, plus you knew even when you're writing a scene like that, that's one of those uh, like audience – cheer kind of moments right right because because not just because it's cool because you know she's not dead but because of the fact that obviously it's again the whole turnabout turnabout is fair play theme that uh see i can do that too just mm-hmm. put six less bullets in me <laughs> <laughs> and, and with two eyes and without a coat hanger that was in my neck <laughs> i this scene works because i think at this point for the last like 20 plus minutes or so Karen Karen's been so damn whiny that it's mm-hmm. really it's real easy to believe that everything that she's saying you know when Mike when as Michael like rips rips up the island to get down to their to the secret basement hiding hiding place 
that it's real easy to believe that she really is choking under pressure. Because <laughs> I remember when I saw it, like on 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 that Thursday night that it opened, and people are going, "Oh my god!" It's like <laughs> people were just like pissed at her. It's like, come on. <laughs> Oh, yes. Heavy breathing. <laughs> the poker was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. He certainly is, uh... He is flexible when it comes to his weapons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mo- uh, most are. I mean, Jason's pretty flexible, too. You'll have... You'll, they have their preferences, but they, they can be flexible. I'm like, Freddy, not so much, but... <laughs> <laughs> but most of that's in the dream, so it makes sense that he wouldn't have to go to his to plan B very often. <laughs> And you know what the, the I mean the thing is like even though you know Freddy has those signature claws on his glove you know the the nature of his the way he attacks you in his dreams like that's not necessarily the most prominent like weapon he has no, in his no not at all a lot of people don't die from those claws it's it's actually probably more rare than anything um you mentioned it like I mean Jason and Freddy like I mean I I've seen some of those movies but like for some reason like this was the franchise that like I I had the loyalty to um that the halloween movies were the ones that i i watched and and i always liked michael myers more than anything i've seen some of the friday the 13th movies maybe in their entirety i maybe have seen three of them um and and nightmare on elm street i may i may have seen all of them that's Um, that's my least favorite of the big of those big three is friday yeah and not friday excuse me nightmare I, I mean, I appreciate Nightmare for being different. I mean, like it was it, because of the nature of like who they are and the, how they dress and how they stalk. It's, it was always easy for me to compare Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween, yes. and uh, this was just always my favorite. I thought Boom. Michael Myers looked. I thought he nice. <laughs> gotcha. I like the way he falls right. over. and the way he falls over here is great with the thud. Yeah, <laughs> but again, he just took a bullet to the face, and he's not, and he's, and he's not even down for the count, really. Right, right. And then she whips his ass in um, a frying pan. Boom, shakalaka. Um, but yeah, the, I like the visual of Michael Myers. I like the fact that it's on Halloween, which is something that I loved as a kid. I never went to a lake or a camp or something, so I couldn't relate to the Friday the 13th that well. So yeah, of the franchise, this was the one that I was loyal to, and this was the one that I loved and, and gave me the most return. I thought Michael, a, lot dis- a lot of disappointment, too, but the most return. Yes, I thought Michael has, was always cooler, I think. In mm-hmm. the beginning, he was clearly, you know, more scary than Jason. Jason was just difficult to kill. Mm-hmm. But you figured that Michael would be able to take Jason out. Uh, obviously, once they made zombie Jason, then they pretty much were the, they were about the same then, pretty much. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, this Part of this I like. I like the fact that they that the idea that it was a trap. I do like that idea. Again, do, doing logical things or not doing them why would Laurie not shoot him? But all why would mm. why would they not? I mean, they had to have some. I mean, you can't tell me that there wasn't one single gun that they couldn't have used to shoot him. <laughs> I blow shoot him in the friggin' head. It's not like he's making it a difficult target, uh, right. or at least like pour something on him and then throw the torch on him. I mean, as opposed to just assuming he's going to assuming he's going to burn, mm-hmm. uh, which they are very clever at 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 filming this because you never once see Michael Myers on fire in, 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 in this entire sequence. I like the way he looks up at her because you have no idea what's really going through his head. You re- you really don't. Uh, I like to... F- obviously, when they knocked him down into the 
into the basement when he uh, sits, does the, the sit up. That's cool. The one <laughs> one thing that was to me that was what was missing is doing the sit up and turning the head. That yeah. would have been nice because that to me is that 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 that's that's, that's a good signature move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, my, I, I think he's looking up at them, going, "You trifling bitches! <laughs> you think you got me, but." <laughs> <laughs> but stick around for the credits, and I got and I got you all fooled. Uh, but yeah, I yeah the, the head the yeah that to me is part of the classic Michael Myers thing. Not just the sitting up is kind of, mm-hmm. the sitting his, being sitting straight up, and then and, but turning the head I think is part of it. And yes, he does. Yes, essentially that was only done in Halloween, but it was so iconic. But that's because as good as James Jude Courtney is as Michael Myers in this movie, and he's pretty good. He mm-hmm. is pretty good. That Nick Castle was unique. Yeah. And even though I know Nick Castle has historically always Ooh, that is bad CGI fire. Yes. <laughs> As Nick Castle has always downplayed, and conveniently enough, you don't see Michael in, 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 in uh, any of these scenes here. Uh, he's always downplayed, you know, the what he brought to that. That he didn't do anything special or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Maybe that's what he brought to it. Is he just just yeah he just the way he walked and the way he moved and, and because and and James Jude Courtney does capture some of it you know Michael does not Michael doesn't run in this movie mm-hmm. not that Michael ever really runs but Michael but Michael's not plotting either Michael moves right. in a decent clip and what what often gets forgotten is Michael in the original movie did the same thing it's Halloween two the Dick Warlock version who was much more plotting. Mm-hmm. All, you have to, all you have to do is compare the scene of Michael going after Michael stabs Lori over at Lindsay's house, and she falls over the railing, and he goes down the stairs after her. Watch the pace of Nick Castle coming down those steps after her, and then compare Dick Warlock coming down the hospital steps going into the basement chasing her. And that tells you everything you need to do about how the, they played it differently. But both yeah. work. But many people just think of that, oh, Michael just moves slow. It's like, no, Michael moved – Michael had some decent – Movement to him, even in the original movie. So I think that was that was a nice touch going going back to that. Um, <clears throat> so as this gets winds down to the you know the if you will the one pseudo reveal at the end, uh, which of course spoiler alert if in case you don't <laughs> that Michael's not really dead because you hear the breathing. Uh, it just makes you wonder if if they this is yet another movie where it's like do. They said it, it's like they have to do one now because they they left it open ended, you know. I mean, they don't have to. They could not. They could choose not to do it. You know, they won't because this movie made a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. But and it would make more sense to do it. See, the thing that's really frustrating is everything you heard when they were making these is that oh, we really wrote two movies and we almost filmed two back to back, but we didn't want to be pretentious and assume, and assume this movie was going to be popular or successful, so we just shot one. And now you hear, and now all of a sudden that seemingly gets thrown out the window because we have no idea whether you know, David Gordon Green's going to be involved, uh, going to write, going to direct. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. So that, so it seems like something about that makes no sense. It seems like this was designed to be one of two, all right? At least one of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think again because we've seen this so many times, and because. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything new that they can do with this. I, I mean, I, I mean, it, it's a roll of the dice. But I think if they were going to make another one, 
I would like them to to try and like really pave new ground and do something different with the franchise. And without the last shot with Allison holding the knife and you know her using the knife and drawing blood that way, if if that creates some sort of curse or something, and and what they what they were going to do with um, Jamie. Jamie in, in Halloween 4 and then they chicken out on it is actually like you know pass it on maybe she goes crazy maybe she becomes the new killer and we sort of pass it on and, and we get a new version instead of Michael Myers a new version of the shape that's you know female and, and could be like completely different um, you know like something again like what what Prometheus could have been for the Alien franchise you know by just like completely paving a new way out of this thing but then they uh, but I mean, the, the failures of that led them to just kind of do a recycled yes. remix version of Alien and Aliens with the Alien Covenant. So I've watched, that I've obviously, watched both of those movies, by the way, a lot in the last two weeks. Uh, Corwin oh, and gosh. I still have we still have Corwin and I still have to do a Prometheus commentary, which we have not done. But just briefly going on the Prometheus tangent, at least Prometheus had big. It had big aspirations. It did have big aspirations. It, 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 it uh, was dealing with big thing. picture issues, and the 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 problem. In all honesty, the problem was I think was Ridley Scott because Ridley Scott had delusions of grandeur of of carrying this on much longer than it needed to, just to get to the point, which was the whole reason they to do any of these prequels was to get you to LV-426. Well, how, why was that ship there? Why was it carrying the eggs? Especially now that we know, after the, fir- after the first two stories, that the aliens did not create the xenomorphs that we know. That was mm-hmm. David creating them. How and why did they have those? So the, 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 the fact that that should have been, all along that should have been the goal. It didn't have to do it in one movie, but I think they really took a major wrong turn in Covenant just because it kind of was, it just... Yeah, but well, I think I think the reaction to Prometheus was so not what people wanted that I, I think they were just like, no, we need to we need to make an alien movie again. You need to, make, and I just don't think Ridley Scott really cared or wanted to do one, so he just did. Again, it was like it was like just a remix of Alien and Aliens, but there was like, oh god, I was just so bored during it that. Was, one. It, was it, was, like, it was it was aggressively boring. And again, people, dumb people doing you know people doing dumb things that they shouldn't be doing, and and. The most of the characters, other than Daniels, pretty much almost all the characters uh, are re- are really really dumb. But if you go the the beauty of Prometheus, if you since I have the four disc set, which is great because the documentary on making that thing is like friggin' like three hours and forty minutes long. That and and the commentary, and they have multiple commentary tracks, which is great. Besides Ridley Scott, you got Spate and you have Linda Lindelof. Well, of course, he's the one basically who's responsible for for the take. I think taking the alien taking the alien stuff out of Prometheus that was Lindelof because <laughs> Spate had that in there. It was a lot more of a direct alien tie-in in the original, the way they did it. But the, but there were the much more traditional alien-like things in the original draft, and then it just kind of like got diluted in because. Of the idea that hey you know we could tell like a parallel story which takes place in the same universe but yet but it's like well that's what happens to you <laughs> go back to Lost buddy <laughs> you still there sorry I had muted my mic it's all right I I knew you were there but uh, <laughs> I was just waiting for you to come back online. Uh, <laughs> no you're just gonna hear me breathing just. <laughs> <laughs> That is, yeah. The breathing is that is what that is the forte. You know, that is the Michael Myers. 
which they do a good. They do that's one thing they do a really good job with in this movie. <laughs> they really do play up the the breathing and just like and again right on cue again trying to distinguish between the shape and Michael Myers. As soon as that mask goes on, that's when you hear the heavy breathing, which makes sense because if you try wearing a latex mask for <laughs> oh god all twenty, I put on my I put on my uh, trick or treat Michael Myers mask. You wear that thing for five <laughs> minutes, you're sweating your ass off. You, you imagine doing that, <laughs> making that a lifestyle choice would be really hard. <laughs> No, long, long time ago, I decided if I'm going to a Halloween party, uh, I'm wearing something with makeup. I'm not wearing a mask <laughs> or my, yeah. So, it, overall, it's not a bad movie. It's not. It's not. I don't want to say it's not good. I mean, there, it's worth a watch. Um, there are some entertaining parts. Yes. It's watchable. Um, it's hi- it, I think it's hi- I think it's highly rewatchable. Certainly, mo- a lot of it is rewatchable. Yeah, I, I think that's too. Like, just yeah, in, in watching like it, there, it has a pace. It has a drive. Like, it kind of continues to move. So that moves the, the like, characters. I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know what to expect. But there's there's an energy about it. Um, it just kind of like it just left me with like a lot of questions. It was like, is this just a love letter to the originals, or were you really trying to do something new and original? Um, ultimately, I think what makes this movie worth the watch and being entertaining is Jamie Lee Curtis. It's just fun to see her coming back and kicking ass. Um, the shape itself. I mean, Halloween. Like Michael Myers is a scary, cool-looking dude, um, and a soundtrack is always worth the listen. So, yeah. It, there are definitely things about this in its favor. It's not a waste of time. Oh no, no. But it's, it's, uh, but uh, yeah, it's also. I mean, when we compare it to like the the other things that we've been talking about lately, like Creed and and those things, it's like that that has something like really sort of special and magical about it because it's progressing a franchise that was already beloved and and still fairly healthy. Um, and doing something new and innovative with it and, and taking it into another direction. And I was like, this one could have done that but they just chose not to they just chose to redo a lot of like you said kind of a greatest hits which uh, okay that's that that could be what somebody wants but yeah and then of course if they do do a sequel like oh we can oh are they going to just pick up pick up in the same night because what if not if not what are you going to do is, is he coming back five years later <laughs> oh he got captured again <laughs> Uh, that's going to be the, the greatest hits of the two Rob Zombie movies. Oh, there are no greatest hits. For the t- there are no greatest hits in the Rob Zombie movies. Uh, oh, um, the, mask, the mask wasn't bad. The yeah, mask a lot of one. awkward sex scenes, but yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that is it's such a weird way to get close to wrapping this episode up. But yeah, and because I think they knew, like especially with Daniel Harris, I think they knew mm-hmm. that there was going to be a certain a, a weird appeal to that. Not that she's not attractive, but it's like oh no, yeah, yeah she's, she's attractive. Definitely. But yeah, we kind of everybody quote unquote fell in love with her when she was like eight or right. ten, whatever she was when she made that movie. I think the character might have been eight, but I think she might have been a little old. But either way, it was like yeah, that's it's like that's that that yeah, they kind it's, of <laughs> it's weird. It's just, yeah, it's, it is like, weird, and it, and the whole Malcolm McDowell, the way they chose to to have him play play Loomis. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I've always kind of I've always kind of like wondered like about that, like like who are who are like the teachers who taught like you know 
Sharon Stone in high school, and and like it kind of like went, and then like saw the basic instinct or something. It's like, hmm, <laughs> okay, like <laughs> I, I need to spend, but, my suspicions were correct. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, oh yes, but oh oh, so whatever. Like they, if they do do another one though, the the cameo, like if they got PJ Souls to do like a little secret cameo in this one, they got to get Buster Rhymes. Oh God, no. I still wish they had Daniel Harris again. I know you like you. I know like you like uh, with Judy Bloom. Is it Judy Bloom? Judy Greer. Greer. I know why you say Bloom. Yeah. Uh, Greer. I'm thinking Blumhouse. I think. Oh, I, if I'm they had, if they had actually made Daniel Harris be that part, oh, I would have loved that a lot more. Yeah, I think, I think so that, too. And that would have been awesome. I, and I think it would have worked. I mean, I don't think I think Judy Greer was fine, but it's not like she. But there wasn't anything special about that role that Daniel Harris couldn't have couldn't have done and i think people would have liked that because again it's an alternate timeline it's an alternate universe but once but in this time but in this timeline just like in the mythical one or the non-existent one (laughs) that jamie lee curtis is is her mother and she plays her daughter they're not the same same exact characters but and but plus and they actually get screen time together which they Mm -hmm. did so i think that would i think that would have been a nice touch and people would have appreciated that but no, I yeah, I definitely. If they could have, if Daniel Harris could have come back for that part, I would have liked that a lot better. I mean, Jigger was fine. Just I, like I said, like at the beginning, I like her in just about everything. I like her as an actress; she's fun to watch. But yeah, the character, like, there's, I, I don't know if she elevated that role to anything that another actress couldn't have done. And if they could, as if nothing more than fan service, got Daniel Harris to do it, oh yeah, I would have liked that more. Yeah, that, I, I think so. that would have worked. And it's and it's too bad they it's too bad they killed off Hawkins. Because he obviously mm-hmm. would have been a good recurring character, even if it was, even if they just were planning on or hoping to do at least one more with, with this cast. I mean, killing him was, because the sheriff was pointless. The sheriff was right, useless. Right. I mean, he really was useless. Uh, was like, uh, he had like no good ideas whatsoever. <laughs> what? So what? What is the ultimate fate of the characters established in the original? We know Tommy Doyle comes back in six. Yes. Paul Rudd, baby. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, what about the girl? The girl that she was babysitting. Um, oh, the one from next door, L- Lindsay. Yeah, supposedly, Lindsay. I be- I believe from what the friend in Halloween Four, the friend of Rachel, when they go to the when they go to the store where she gets her clown costume and first sees Michael. I think that's supposed to be, or was it Matt? Or when McElroy wrote it, the idea was that was supposed to be Lindsay. I think that was okay. supposed to be Lindsay. Uh. And obviously, and it, Loomis. It all depends on which timeline and which movie. <laughs> sure. uh, but we, but we, know, but we obviously know even in this version, uh, maybe thanks to Carpenter, he at least survived that night, the night in 1978. Right. We don't know how long, you know what happened to him afterwards. And yeah, that's why I would have liked him to mention Bracket just so we find just. Because it's because they mm-hmm. even bothered to do that in Halloween Four because they thought it was relevant to make the point that Brackett were like retired and moved to Florida. Yeah, they made the point of doing that because it was something they figured people would have a question about. You know whether that's because Loomis and of course obviously, but you would think Loomis would know that because you would think he probably would have kept up and had a little bit on Haddonfield, but maybe not. You know, he kind of, obviously he had he had a lot of healing to do, so maybe that wasn't <laughs> high on his list. <laughs> The you know, Halloween timeline is inter- interesting because there's so many different timelines. I mean, you could you could connect the dots and make, you know, there's a timeline where just Halloween one and Halloween two took place. H2O is a little a little vague. You assume that t- at the very least, what, Halloween Halloween two took place in the H2O timeline. 
you mm-hmm. assume, because they say Michael Myers' body was never found, and you know Loomis survived, and Marion was taking care of Dr. Loomis, so you assume that it was after the fire. Uh, it's it almost ha- it, it's implied that four and five don't take place in that timeline, but the only thing that really makes it clear, what well, probably makes it impossible, is that uh, Jamie's character and Josh Hartnett's character, Daniel Harris and Josh Hartnett's characters would essentially be like an age a year apart. Yeah. If Jamie had had, uh, if Laurie had had Jamie and then faked her death, then she would have had Josh Hartnett's character like almost like immediately. So that's the uh-huh. one thing. That's the one thing that kind of shoots that. But conceptually, no, because even in H2O, they talk about that she faked her death. Right. Uh, but it's 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 convoluted. But and you just keep like, if you're a fan, you yeah. You, you get sucked in because you're just hoping this is going to be a good one. You know, it's like I was hoping this. I was hoping this one was going to absolutely slam dunk, be like the best one since the first one. And I like right. Halloween too, but Halloween two has its flaws, and Halloween two is much more of a straight up slasher movie, let's say, than the original Halloween. And I don't know if the hospital thing entirely works. It, it, it's. I mean, it certainly got great atmosphere, but mm-hmm. like the most understaffed hospital on the on the planet. <laughs> yeah, and well, it's. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Gosh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I I liked the first four, and actually, that was my thing. Like, if they really want to impress me, the next Halloween movie, find a way of tying Season of the Witch into this continuity. Yeah. So. Besides, the kids just wearing the masks. Right. Right. Um, but I liked Halloween. I liked Halloween too. I think Halloween four is my second favorite. Um, I. Don't like Halloween Five. Nobody likes Halloween I, Five. Halloween Five is like Rocky I, Five. I know a lot of some people say Halloween Six is too, but Halloween Six, especially to me, if you watch the director's cut, the producer's cut, technically it's the producer's cut. That I think is a much better version than the, than the theatrical. It makes more sense. Halloween Halloween Six. I don't think I've seen the whole movie. Actually, that's like this this weird anachronistic thing where like I, I kept on like. I don't think I've seen it like straight through from start to finish, because um, a friend of mine showed it to me like when we were kids. Like it was, oh, there was some weird, there was something about the movie that was messed up, and I can't remember what it is now. H two O. Actually, I remember liking H two O a little bit more than I expected. I, I I didn't have high expectations for that when I saw it, but I thought it was pretty good. There were a few scary moments in that one. Um, uh, uh, what was it? Resurrection. Res- Resurrection. I think the concept of Resurrection wasn't horrible. I think yeah. the execution was bad. The mask wasn't horrible either. I don't think. But the but yeah the the concept was not bad. Obviously nobody liked the fact that they got rid of Jamie Lee Curtis the way they did, but they had to. Mm-hmm. I mean she was contracted right. to do a sequel, but not. But you know that it was it was all set in stone with that. So and they and they did explain the away the ending of H two O in a kind of clever way if they had to explain it away they could have come they probably could have come up with a actually oh, like, he, like he switched his body with the yeah yeah he crushed the guy's larynx so he couldn't speak and because she yeah she that's halloween h2o like she chops his head off with an axe like that seemed pretty definitive yeah yeah so they i think with all things being equal i think they did a pretty decent job at explaining that away and making it yeah it's kind of like okay sure but still it's better than uh he had put <laughs> him just sticking his head back on it, wrapping it in some duct tape, and he's good to go. Uh, 
but yeah. Then with the uh, the Rob Zombie ones, first of all, like I, I actually I was wrong. I haven't seen Halloween two, the Rob Zombie one. I've never seen that one. Um, but I have seen I have seen the first one, and it was one of those things where like really, really early on, like pretty early, like early as I'm watching this, I was like, okay, he's making the decision to basically show this like this whole sequence of events through Michael Myers' eyes, and he's kind of our point of view character or whatever, and he's he's trying to do this in order so like we can sort of get inside the mind of the killer and understand all these things that you're. I was like, okay, but then when he's lurking around the house going up to kill the kids now it's not scary anymore because we're following it from him and and we see him lurk so it was like one of these things where like i think rob zombie was trying to do something clever but in the way he did it like just made it so it wasn't scary at all like well i, I know rob zombie has kind of like i mean he hasn't quite kind of fallen 100 percent like into the george lucas pattern of like doing like telling eight thousand versions of this or that and how things mm-hmm. have happened but I know he has – there's a certain, I believe, element of backtracking and changing things. But one of the things I think he says on the commentary track for the for the original – his original was that basically that the studio was going to be doing the remake anyway. So he figured that someone who loved the first movie should at least do it. And someone's going to do it. Somebody who loves the first movie, let them be the one doing it. And there was no point in trying to do a shot-for-shot remake because you're not going to do it any better. Mm-hmm. Now that all now that makes a little sense, and I buy it, but that still doesn't mean you have to go into the all too stereotypical white trash serial killer background and right. torturing out. That's the that's the part where he that's the part to me where and it's the beginning of the movie where you, you it goes off the rails. It's like that's what Michael Myers. What makes Michael Myers scary is the fact that that the the, the switch got flipped. You don't know why the switch got flipped. The outside world doesn't, but it did. And from that point on, this normal, perfect suburban kid became this basically this 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 like pure evil. And 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 don't give us the easy explanation psycho babble of why. Oh, that's why he became. That's not what. That's why Michael. Part of the reason why Michael was scary is that it just it just. Now yeah, in again back to my favorite line in the novelization, and the novelization <laughs> of Halloween, which is very short, they do talk about. Which they reference in Halloween Six, which is accurate, that Michael did hear voices, and supposedly mm-hmm. Michael's grandfather heard voices too. But Michael's grandfather killed himself before he ever got to the point of doing anything right. about it. But the, the idea that, and it wasn't, and it wasn't like your typical like Jason thing. Well, oh, it's sex that drives Michael. No, because Michael could differentiate between the sounds that it, of his parents doing that and what Judith was doing. That he knew right. his parents were making each other happy, and that he was okay with that. So it wasn't just oh, sex bad. So, but they, but they make it yes. But the idea that he just that that's what the and the, the novel was cool because it also talks about some of the things that happened in Smith's Grove after he got incarcerated about how some you know some kids you know they would some kids would try to do stuff to him or whatever, and of course some bad things would end up happening to the kids. And this was before Michael kind of fell into like these almost catatonic state that he was in leading up to the you know to the escape in in seventy eight. But the point is you don't there is no explanation for why Michael became became the shape if you will. That's just and, right. and, and to look and when and when you look for it. It, yeah, as we as we off they often tell you, and it's true. Oftentimes, it just it makes it, you know, it devalues it, and it makes it less scary because because it's like it's almost like his his mask itself. We all, it's like it's a blank slate. You can assign anything you want to it. 
And I think that I think that works. And kind of going back to the movie that we just watched, like the scene when he does find the mask and how how reverential he feels to her when he realizes, well, he only wore this thing for a couple of hours, you know, back you know forty years ago. But I think, I mean, you kind of like hit upon the like. There is nothing to Michael, and the mask sort of represents that. The fact that it is blank, it is formless, it has no eyes. It's just, it's sort of the manifestation of what's in his, what's inside him. It's just this like empty vessel that's that's just used to like sort of channel the evil that Doctor Loomis saw in him. So I think that's, I think it is sort of like it's something that maybe like he saw in the store, and he was like, "This is what has been missing. This is what I've been needing in order to make my, you know, to really fulfill my mission or whatever it is." But and yeah, I, 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 I agree. Like, the, like trying to assign a motive to him is just a clearly not understanding what makes the character in this franchise work. And that's one of the things I think this movie succeeds in is it gets the point across <laughs> that the the only agenda he has is that he's going to kill people. Right. And but the, even that that even where he goes and how he does it and who he picks is it is it's just random. It's it's it driving him. It's like so that's why that you know, that long you know that that one take that long shot long take is just that's perfect from that perspective because you just see him looking around literally you know he could have killed the kids that bumped into him you know with the t- you know with the reference to Halloween 2 with the kid with the boom box walking into him could have killed that kid but he didn't he could have killed the you know the, the trampy looking nurse waiting for the doctor to come back with a stethoscope didn't mm-hmm. go over there but he got distracted could have killed the kids coming down the steps to the to the house so he's just it's just random he you know it's just who he it's just who he is and it's like that's we're trying to analyze which is part of the reason why when they talk about in the beginning of the movie like the, with the 50 different psychologists or and psychiatrists that have analyzed him and they all come up with different ideas because a lot of times people it's like again it's a blank slate you're going to bring to it what you want you're going to read mm-hmm. into him the way you want and it doesn't mean you, you're not right or partially right but the reality is Loomis was the only one who, got, who was who was really knew what he was dealing with and it's like it's just that you, you don't you don't need to understand it you don't there's nothing you can learn from it there's no point there's no point in keeping evil alive like he, right. as he said you just you just there's nothing which Laurie kind of echoes too about the idea that there's nothing that can be learned from her experience and when she's talking to Dana and Aaron, and so she's kind of, so it's kind of echoing the same point there too. There's just nothing that, you know, there's it's you you look you're looking for answers, and we look for answers to make ourselves feel better. And sometimes there's just there isn't an answer to find, or even if you did, again, you're not you may not like what you find. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That was all right. Fun. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Halloween. Halloween 4, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, this one, H2O. Uh, I'm going to leave it at those because those are the ones that I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if, I, if I'm ranking this in order of, how, of best of worst, obviously. And again, like Hall- Halloween 6 is one that I'll probably need to, re- to rewatch sometime. Um, but I'm leaving Halloween Five and, and Resurrection and the uh, the Rob Zombie ones off the list. So, <laughs> so ranking them from best to worst for me, and since we're including Halloween Three, I'll have to factor that in. Halloween, obviously, there's no doubt, Halloween's the best. I, even though Halloween Four structurally might be better, I'm still going to say the original Halloween Two. Then, mm-hmm. ha- then, ha- then Halloween. 
they attempted to put Halloween three up there if if it's being included, even though it has nothing to do, because it's because it was clever. And uh, but I'll, I'll say Halloween four. I'll say Halloween four. Then 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 Halloween then Halloween three. Uh, then see if they didn't butcher the mask in H two O. I I would be much more even though I don't think it holds up as well. I still would grab. There were some cool things in H two O. The masks were just so horrible. They just couldn't make up their mind. And there's like so many different masks they used. I'm still. I'm actually. Pro- I will still say H two O. Then this one. Uh, Halloween six. The producers cut. Oh man. Uh, because the mask was so atrocious in Halloween 5, I might actually put Rob Zombie's Halloween above Halloween 5. <laughs> and then we get... Oh, I've, oh, I forgot about Resurrection. Oh, so uh, I will still... I'll put... I will put... rest. I will still put... Buster Rhymes aside. I will, I will still put... I will put a Resurrection ahead of Rob Zombie's Halloween. Then I'll put Halloween 5. And then I'll put Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Because that was a complete... That good luck when you watch that one. Good luck. You'll let me know when you watch that one because that yeah, one, that's, that's, that's not going to be Yeah, that's enough to make you bang your head against the wall trying to figure out what's going on. And but you know that that's that's pretty close to what I had. I mean, yeah, like if I, if I if I kept if I had kept going, I probably would have had a resurrection zombies and then Halloween five. I, I think that's what. I, so really, we've got two and four swapped and then h2o and this one swapped but other than that pretty close yeah it so. was pretty close and and, the, and they are pretty close when you look at them i mean each because basically this is h4o and, and that was h2o and they were and if it wasn't so scream centric and you know kevin williamson thing at, mm. you know, that vibe but there are and again it, to me the masks are important and it's it's the mat when they butcher the mask, it's hard to it's hard to enjoy the movie because the mask is so iconic. And when they're stupid and go completely away, like they did in Halloween Five, mm-hmm. it was it's like a, that, that's just. And again, like when I said, like Halloween Four was the first one I saw, so I have a nostalgic yeah, attachment to that one. I also I liked Jamie, I liked Rachel, and again, that's one of the reasons why I hate five. Halloween Five. Yes, they, is because of the ignominious way that they got rid of Rachel, and then what they did to Jamie, and kind of like neutering the development there. So it's just, yeah, it's frustrating. But yeah, that was that was a, a lot of people. A lot of people were not happy getting rid of getting rid of, Ra- of Rachel in that movie, and. I was just gonna say something uh, related to was it related to Halloween? It was something you said related to Halloween f- about Halloween. F- all about that was it was about it was about the, the nostalgia. Yes, the nostalgia. Hall- mm. Halloween two actually was the first one I saw in the theater because actually my mom mm. took me to see Halloween two. I I couldn't I wasn't I'm trying to remember how old I was. I was younger than I should have been, but obviously she was taking <laughs> me so you could go see an R-rated movie. Uh, did scare me though. Even though the original scared the original even before I watched it because of the music the original scared me because my mom would I remember my mom would watch it and mm-hmm. I would and I and when it was on HBO yeah. and it was like it's like the, and just just the music or and plus some of you had seen some of the iconic scenes even without seeing all of them because I remember even like Cisco and Ebert you'd see like some of the scenes the clips they would show from the ending of the movie and things mm-hmm. so Halloween mm-hmm. Halloween is scary and Halloween holds up and it's very. And especially for people who hadn't, who haven't seen it before, who don't really know, you know, what's going to happen in it, it's like it's like watching the to, Ser- the to serve man episode of the Twilight Zone. 
<laughs> and if you've never watched it before, then when you right. watch it, it's like, oh, wow, that was really clever. I never saw that happening. I never saw that coming. And then you still can appreciate it afterwards, but it's not a you know it's not a surprise anymore. You just you just appreciate the craftsmanship of it. But the, but, but it's kind of like that. I mean, once you I mean every it's so iconic now that most people know you know the ending of Halloween even if they hadn't seen it that it's 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 kind of hard. But it was. Halloween two, Halloween two was the first one I saw in the theater. Uh, the only, actually the only ones I didn't see in the theater that I'm thinking about, I didn't see Halloween five in the theater, and I didn't see Halloween six in the theater. But I did see both of the Rob Zombies, unfortunately. Did see <laughs> Resurrection, did see H two O two, three, four, and in this one. So I have I have seen more, and Friday the Thirteenth. Actually, Friday the Thirteenth, I've seen every I've seen everyone in the theater. Since four, four was in four was, yeah. I was still too young technically to see four, but my mom got us the tickets and <laughs> didn't and just didn't sit with us. Um, didn't actually she didn't stay. She didn't stay, which technically we could get you thrown out, but that didn't. But we were well behaved, so it didn't matter. <laughs> we were close enough. We were close enough. <laughs> but uh, Hall- but yeah. So I, but I I agree. Ha- Halloween is. It's it's a spe- it's more special to me. I appreciate. I like Jason because Jason's sympathetic. That's why we never mm-hmm. have him in these matchups, like with Freddy versus Jason. Of course, you had to make Jason the one you had to root for more because his backstory is entirely sympathetic. Right. Freddy's is absolutely the opposite of that. How can you, <laughs> I mean, of all of these, of, of pretty much all of these characters. I mean, I mean, Michael is only sympathetic if you go back to the idea that he was fought, he was innocent until something snapped in him. But Jason was just, you know, he was really. <laughs> He was really dealt a bad hand on multiple levels. It's not right. And if people would just stop coming to Crystal Lake, he wouldn't kill anybody. <laughs> Stay the hell out of the woods. You'll be fine. So, but so I, have a, I have a soft spot for Jason, but but early on, but Michael was always the one I did I did gravitate towards. Yeah, yeah and for me, again, it was um, like Halloween was always like growing up. That was my favorite holiday. Me and my brother, you know. I would go out, I would trick-or-treat, and then when I came home, you know, my mom would let me, you know, stay up late, like, watching movies and, you know, watch, like, the Franklin Jella Dracula and, like, some other, like, horror movies. And, and like, invariably, like, the last ones we would watch would be a Halloween movie. So, like, H2O is the only one I've seen in the theater. Um, like, the first, like, and, like I, again, like, my, my babysitter rented the fourth one, like, the first time I saw it, but, like, the, it was... One, two, three, and five. The first time I saw those were like watching them on TV, like Halloween night, like with commercials and everything like that. So like I saw like TV versions of like toned down versions of them before, you know, like much later I would rent them and kind of like binge watch, like get like a whole like stack of them and like marathon them like on a Halloween weekend or something. But um, yeah, for for a while like that was I was just I would watch them like Halloween night and sometimes like you know fall asleep in the middle of it, but because I was younger. But yeah. So I have I have Halloween. I wonder if my mem- okay. I wonder if my memory is betraying me now because I'm trying to think of like the line because I would have been seven or eight when Halloween four came out. If it came out in '88, I was born in '81. So if I was, but but okay, but it, so it would it was not, now when it was on like VHS. So I maybe didn't see it until 1989, depending on what time of year it came out. Well, yeah. probably in around Halloween. It did. It did come out in October. So I bet I didn't see it until 1989. So, okay, let's say I'm eight years old at that point. Uh, I might have seen one or two on TV before I saw Halloween 4. 
I don't know. My my memory could be betrayed. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I know it's it's hard. I have I have I remember when and I had this. I still have the VHS. So I still have this taped. When N- when NBC played Halloween, for I think I might have been the only time. But when they got the f- premiere rights for Halloween and they played it, I was on. A fr- it was a Friday night. I'm assuming it was 1981 because I believe it was right when it, it was right when uh, Halloween two was coming out. Mm-hmm. So I had that taped. I have it taped, and that includes all those extra, all the extra scenes that they shot to include because the film wasn't long because for, you're right, for two for, hours. To run so, on that. Right. So all the scenes that to me, I just automatically for the longest time just it, I always think of her in the movie because I remember, and I don't know, if, I don't know if that was the only the first time I ever saw the complete movie. It probably wasn't, but but you know the idea of when when Loomis was talking to Michael. When they were, t- you know, when he was talking, I forget if it was supposed to be Doctor Wynn or whoever he was talking to, trying to make, you know, make his case about about, you know, how my, you know, how Michael should should be, you know, more precautions should be taken, and and things like that. I remember that that extra, that extra footage being, and and they had that scene of the same kid that, you know, obviously the same, which makes sense because they filmed it at the same time. Um, that the kid that plays Michael who's looking out the window just staring blankly is obviously the same kid that's in Halloween 2 playing Michael. So because I'm pretty sure those scenes were probably shot at the same time. So yeah, I I have I have I have nostalgic ties to to the original Halloween and and Halloween 2 for so it's yeah, it it goes from a from a from a youthful perspective that yeah, it, I think Hall- Halloween draws me in more for that reason. Like the early Friday the 13th, I you know, I only saw those on HBO. Yeah, you know, I never saw any of them in the theater, uh, but at least at least Halloween, and I saw I was pretty much rel for Halloween two going forward. I saw almost everyone in the theater, so I was on that bandwagon pretty early. Mm-hmm. So and my and yeah, it 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 is pretty cool. So yeah. nice. All right. So you wanna you wanna you wanna push push whatever you wanna push, my friend. Yeah, if people want to hear more from me, if they're not, they're not <laughs> checked out by this point, um, you can find me on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Uh, I am the host or co-host of several shows there. Uh, right now, the one that is most active is Cheers Cast, which is a, an index show of my favorite TV sitcom of all time, Cheers. Uh, almost done with the first season at this point. Um, and then occasionally I do a DC horror comics themed show called It's Midnight, the Podcasting Hour. Uh, I am also one of the hosts of Batman Nightcast. And then I've got a few other shows that are in various states of hiatus. Um, but every once in a while I'll do a random episode of uh, FW Presents, like a, a Find Your Joy episode, which is really just my excuse to pick some random comic that I like and I want to talk about. So, But yeah. And Star Wars is in hiatus indefinitely for now? Yeah, until I get my, my until, yeah, until my love for the property comes back in, in force. And it's one of those things where I just I come up with new ideas for episodes all of the time, but I just I can't get invested in it right now. I'm just I'm not feeling it now. As soon as the trailer for episode nine drops, you know that might change. I might jumpstart something, but I don't know. Right now, I'm just I'm also I'm also just really sick of Star Wars fandom, like the the toxicity and how stupid. Like how quick Star Wars fans are to cannibalize each other and the property. I'm just like, is this really worth my time? So it's just, I don't know. It's not something I feel like talking about right now. Yeah, it, it's a tough. I agree. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll come back to it eventually, but not right now. Yeah, it's a, it 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 is a it is a dark time. It is, a, <laughs> it is a before the dark times before the Empire. It is 
yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I have very, very little enthusiasm for Star Wars right now. I'm hoping that's why the trailer for Episode Nine has to be good. The first one has to be really good. It has to at least start erasing some of the cynicism a lot of people have and the bad taste that was left in the mouth of a, for a lot of people because of Last mm-hmm. Jedi. It has to do something because I don't feel invested in. I, I mean, I like Force Awakens. But I feel no investment in this trilogy whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, I feel like for like I've kind of jokingly, and it'd be up your alley by saying it that th- how some people feel about the prequel trilogy. This is how I feel so far about this trilogy. This is not hashtag not my trilogy, uh, not yeah. my Star Wars. That's how I feel about this. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's. I don't. I did like Rain the first movie. I don't really care right now that much about her. Maybe I'll care in nine. I don't like Kylo Ren at all. I don't. I don't care how they try to redeem him. I don't see him being. Re- I mean, I guess if they did, if there was something we found out in Episode Nine that somehow makes it. May, I'm, so I can't say never. Never say never. And I've been been watching James Bond, so that kind of is appropriate <laughs> too. That maybe, but I don't like him as a character, so I don't think that I'm going to care all that much. But I, I'm consistent because I made it clear from the original trilogy that I didn't think Vader was redeemable either. So, I, so at least I'm being consistent. I appreciate was, Vader yeah. now more, but... That was one of those things where it was like I was I was kind of looking, uh, expecting and hoping that they did something interesting in redeeming Kylo Ren. And I think they consciously made the decision in The Last Jedi that they're not going to go down that path. And I'm like, okay, so now if they try to force it in Episode Nine, I'm not going to like it. But my bigger criticism was by the end of The Last Jedi, I looked at Kylo Ren and General Hux as Cobra Commander and Destro from the <laughs> yeah. old G.I. Joe cartoon. I was like, you're just bickering cartoon villains, and you're not scary. Like, you're not threatening. Like, so it's uh, – I don't know. That's, yes, we will. Uh, we'll this, say is, this, this, is, a, this, this will be – this should be an episode. Maybe, maybe after Nine comes out, I mean, we can – Reflect on the entire trilogy, and I, I kind of think like that's that's really my roadblock is I don't think I can start podcasting about Star Wars again until I really do a whole episode dedicated to my feelings on the Last Jedi, and I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> just, well, whenever you decide to, if you want someone to talk about it with, I'll be more than uh, more than happy because because I think we're in a similar boat uh, at least for overall when it comes to that. <laughs> so I certainly when it came to sucking the life out of out of the out of your enthusiasm for the franchise. I mean, I like Solo a Star Wars story fine, but at and if they had, God, if they do the Obi Wan thing as a TV show, that's going to suck. Even if it's Ewan McGregor, I'm going to be so disappointed <laughs> that it's not a movie. All because they were st- all because of fr- freaking Ryan Johnson. <laughs> it's not even Solo. Solo would have been okay if Last Jedi didn't turn people off so much and the fan and, the, and like you said, the fan, the whole fandom and Lucasfilm going at it and just cannibal eating each other alive and just it makes it but we'll see I mean maybe I mean maybe JJ can at least I mean, if he can stick the landing he, you know he'll, he'll deserve the gold medal if he can stick this landing because it's not like he was handed a good baton he's like no. he was like handed the handed baton like like several laps behind <laughs> and with his leg in the cast <laughs> and a pulled hamstring in the other leg so if he can pull this off uh, his, he will be cemented in the pantheon of Star Wars fans if he can give a somehow satisfying ending that at least appeases or appeals to like like let's say seventy seventy percent or more of the fan base. That would be because because he was not left with much. He really wasn't. That's that's the biggest problem to me with that. It just was the injustice of the horrible decision making by Kathleen Kennedy and mostly Kathleen Kennedy because she could have stopped it. That. 
this is a trilogy. You realize this, and it's like you left this. It's like you just spat and threw out whatever Abrams had planned on doing in, the, in his blueprints and his synopsis, and he says, "I don't care. Uh-huh. Let the next guy make do what he wants." Oh, except you can't do what you want. That's why. Guess what, Trevor? Oh, get out of here, because because you can't get because you can't use Snoke. Oh, Luke. Oh man, life is good. All right. Uh, before we get, before, yeah, I don't, I don't want to drag us. Down. You, you, you've, you've been a, you've been a trooper. So let me wrap this up. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so website lanterncast.com. Uh, email lanterncast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast. Locate us or find us on any of those. Uh, iTunes and Stitcher, yes. Please leave us a positive review, whichever platform you listen to us on. And last but not least, 708 Lantern is the, vo- is the voicemail. Let us know what you think. And next episode might be what this episode should have been. But I don't know. It, it all depends when Chad and I record. I mean, it could, it, could be, it could be the Captain Marvel episode by then. We don't know. <laughs> it all depends. That, that should be a fun one, too. Uh, one, way the, one way or the other, it will be an interesting one. I, that's actually I, I completely forgot. But when we first started talking tonight, I was gonna, that was going to be my opening joke. I was going to be like, "Are you excited? One week we get the Green Lantern movie." So. <laughs> and, and let's see if it's. I, I, I'm going to go out in the limb and say, "All kidding aside, it will be better than the Green Lantern movie." Oh, sh- yeah. But well, well yeah, th- this is going to. This is going to be that was this actually this will make a little bit of continuity because this actually was part of the episode that was lost the tail end <laughs> was about <laughs> Captain Marvel that was before Rotten Tomatoes added fuel to the fire uh, which we'll go into more in another episode of this show but it's going to be fascinating to watch to see how much money it makes to see how what the real what the real reaction is to this movie by fans not you know the pre-reaction it's going to be really really fascinating to see mm-hmm. and that's what and that's what I'm looking forward to my plan is to see it on th- on uh, if this well, depending when this comes out, my well, might have already seen it. If this comes out on my birth, if this comes out on my birthday, which would be the seventh, if it does come out, then yeah, I would have already seen this, ideally the night before. But yeah, I'm 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 all in for things like this. I'm I, I the the whole the, the politics and the and the the money and all. It's just and yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be very very. Very enthralling, I think, to see how this how this all plays out and and tracking numbers be damned. We're, we're gonna, mm-hmm. I guess, we'll, well, I guess we're gonna know soon enough whether it's gonna, you know, whether it's gonna soar or whether it's just gonna have a pretty good opening. It's not gonna bomb. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not not in the traditional sense. I mean, it's not gonna get like a twenty million dollar opening weekend. I think it'll make. I think no matter what, it's gonna make like eighty five, like no worse than eighty five ninety. No matter what, I'd be stunned if it could make less than that. <laughs> But I, I think at this point, like Marvel at their with their like formula and what they've done, I think unless the movie is like genuinely awful and gets a really bad word of mouth, I think um, barring that, I think it's almost guaranteed to make eight hundred million globally. Like, oh yeah, I think minimum, so. Minimum. And so. I think I mean the, I think the only thing that could derail it would be if the actual overall critics reviews were poor. Them being positive isn't going to matter because people are whether you you know whether you're somebody who buys into the conspiracy theories or just because you're it's a Marvel movie so regardless of whether you think it's justified or not you can't have that expectation that you know it's not it's not dark world so you expect the movie's going to get you know good reviews because they're on a pretty good streak of getting really good reviews you know a good Rotten Tomato score mm-hmm. but if for some reason the movie was not would not get particularly good scores let's say it even gets Aquaman like scores. 
when all when everything starts trickling in, not the initial the wave. That could definitely have an effect on it, could have, because I think I think the neg- the negative reviews could hurt it. I don't necessarily think the positive reviews by the critics will help it. Right. So I, I think it's it that's it's a word of, it's a word of mouth thing. If the fan if the people who actually go see it say, well, I really didn't like I have no expectation for it. I have no I don't have a great interest in seeing it because it doesn't look that thrilling to me. And Captain Mar- and Ms. Marvel, none of those characters, no matter what interp- version of that character, you know, I've never read my, I've read her when, I read her when she first started out. But you know, it doesn't do much for me. I mean, I, the most the most important thing to me is I remember I have what the annual when like Rogue sucked her powers out. <laughs> but so I had I had no dog in the fight. I'm gonna go see it. I don't. It, but it's like when I saw Aquaman. It's like I don't didn't care too much one way or the other. But I'm gonna go see it and we'll see how and we'll see what happens. But it if but if people but especially if you go in with low expectations and you go to, yeah that was that was really really good. And it's going to get no matter what it's going to do okay because the end, because some it's going to get a certain certain bump because of Endgame. The question mm-hmm. is if it if it does a lot worse than people think. Is there any way it's going to have any negative coattails for Endgame? Probably not. But it be, but that'll be another fascinating thing to see if it has any kind of if it really underachieves and people really don't like it, and, which are not mutually exclusive because it still can make a lot of money. But people end up going, yeah, I don't like it. Right. Then the question is, will that have any stem any kind of be a, a speed bump for the for end game for you know potentially breaking breaking the opening record or just at least doing as much as Infinity War did on op- you know that's that's another thing that I'm interested in because it is a game it is a considering how controversial this has become there it, there is a there is a certain risk if that it could kind of be a, it probably won't be it, Marvel's history is that it'll be okay. But there is, mm-hmm. a, but there's a chance. I mean, eventually you're not going to dodge every bullet. I mean, you're not going right. to be Neo, or even Neo didn't dodge every bullet to start with. So maybe you are with Neo. You're <laughs> that the reality is, you know, they dodge the Ant Man, the Guardians bullet. They dodge the Guardians bullet. They dodge the Ant Man bullet. Black Panther wasn't as much of a bullet because your people had already liked the character in Civil War. But mm-hmm. this is another Doctor Strange was another you know, hurdling a hurdle that in a way that they. But this is, you know, this is the most negative publicity they've, or neg- a not based on all production problems, which are, or pre-production really, which was the Ant-Man issue. This is just, you know, a, a lack of enthusiasm and vibe from a certain percentage. That's what's going to be this to see if they can overcome that, or if it's real, because we know it may not be real. Obviously, the Rotten mm-hmm. Tomato numbers were being, where people were absolutely. There's no considering how quick that movie dropped. Clearly, a lot of people were joining up just to say, "I'm not interested in that movie." Right. But that doesn't mean the but it doesn't mean that the audience score will be will be great either. I mean, I think the audience score for like us Last Jedi was probably accurate, like whatever it settled in at like 56 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably accurate. So it's possible. Yeah, so we'll see. But that still made a billion. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's right. But but that also was coming off of Force Awakens, which kind of pumped everybody back up, and Rogue One, which made people happy at the time. <laughs> so it pumped mm-hmm. people back up. So yeah, this is good. that's why it'll be that'll be that's why to me it'll be it'll kind of be fascinating to watch. But we'll know we'll know soon mm-hmm. enough. All right. Well, it's gotta time. go. So happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> good night, my friend. <laughs>